They said it was forbidden. They said it was dangerous. They were right. Introducing the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual. Dive into the arcane, into the hidden corners of the occult. This isn't just a comic. It's a hidden tome of supernatural power. All original artwork illustrating the groundbreaking research of Juan Ayala, one of the only living homunculologists of our time. Learn how to summon your own homunculus, an enigma wrapped in the fabric of reality itself, their power at your fingertips, their existence, your secret. Explore the mysteries of the Aristotelian, the spiritual, the Paracelsian, the Crowleyan homunculus, ancient knowledge lost to time, now unearthed in this forbidden tale. This comic book holds truths not meant for the light of day, knowledge that was buried, feared, and shunned. Are you ready to uncover the hidden, the paranoid American homunculus owner's manual, not for the faint of heart, available now from Paranoid American. Get your copy at tjojp.com or paranoidamerican.com today. Yo, quick shout out to Joe, the newest patron. Thank you so much, man, for subscribing. Make sure to check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash the 101 podcast. Thank you so much. Enjoy the show, because this was a banger. Later. Now, immortal life was one of the uh, beliefs of alchemy. So they had a number of very quaint and unusual concepts about this matter. Some of these matter, these concepts are very difficult to understand even now. But we know that they definite, definitely believed that there were in the world a few individuals who had solved the mystery of alchemy. And the master of all the alchemists was Elias Atista, the most uh, celebrated of all the hermetic adepts and philosophers. No one really knew him, although we do have two or three early books in the library in which the alchemists describe a meeting with him. But Elias Artista was the symbol of the perfect alchemist. He had a number of disciples, however, who came very close to him in achieving the ends which he sought. And the uh, powers of of Elias were such that he would appear in laboratories where worthy persons had worked very hard for years and given them a hint or a little advice to advance their researches. Then he disappeared and was never seen by them again. He appeared in many nations and in many different appearances. He spoke many languages, but he is supposed to be an eternal person living on and on because there was nothing within himself to cause him to die. Welcome back to another episode of the One One Podcast. I'm your host as always, Juan. Make sure to follow me on social media at the One One Podcast, patreon.com slash the One One Podcast, rockfin.com slash the One One Podcast, Telegram, all that good shit. You know where to find me. And today we have a person who actually inspired me to start my podcast with his content that he was putting out way once upon a time. And so today we have SB Alger with us. I said that right, right? Yeah, yeah. SB Alger. That's me. Thanks, Sam. We're really excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, dude. What's up? How you doing? Doing good. Doing good. I got a, I got a boy to, getting ready to graduate tomorrow from high school and he barely skated under C's get degrees. 
And so we're happy to see him on his way. He's going to move out the next day, move back in with his relatives in another city over in Washington. So it's been that uh, bum rush to just kind of make things a little bit more right for company coming. It's not a big party, not lots of people, but you know how it is. Things are pretty loose. And then if you know people are showing up, you start to look at everything with a different eye. Like, oh, man, what about all these cardboard boxes by the front door and all that kind of stuff? So, yeah, Why is that, though, right? It's like you there's something that triggers it's almost like you're worried about what people are going to think of you like some crazy uh -huh. fucked up. You know what I mean? It's like you're used to not living in filth because that's different, but you know, everybody has their own messes, you know, like me, yeah. like before we got on, I'm like, let me, let me go into the attic real quick to get, you know, my wife, something. It's not just going to the attic. Got to move the motorcycle back to then fucking bring the stairs <laughs> down to then climb up. It's hot as hell here in Florida to then bring down whatever it was. And then, you know what I mean? So it's like a process, but yeah, can you plug your stuff before you get too far into it, SB, yeah, so yeah. people can find your work? For sure. The easiest way to, to find me is going to be to just go sbalger.com, and um, it's sbalger.com. And that's just got like a blurb about me and everything I do. I'm an artist. I'm a musician. I'm certified as a release coach. So I help coach people to let go of problems that aren't, uh, you know, that are causing them trouble in their life. And that was through Beth Martins. I don't know if you've ever interviewed or talked to Beth Martins, but if not, you might check her out. Um, my YouTube channel is the same. SB Alger on YouTube is probably the most popular place because that's where we had our old broadcast RX only picture show, me and Jim Maiden. And, uh, you know, I'm on the Weaving Spiders Welcome uh, every Saturday almost in the evening and on Wednesdays uh, in the evening live. These are both live streams. We do uh, Weaving Spiders on Saturday and, a, and an art stream called Flow State every Wednesday night. And so, and that's on the Weaving Spiders Welcome channel. And that's all linked. There's there's links for everything on sbalger.com. So that's the easiest way. Yeah, and I'll post the links here in the show notes so people can find that. The show that got me into, that really dipped my toes into the conspiracy and really started looking down to the esoteric, like deep esoteric occult shit was the RX Picture Show. And obviously your work with Tracy. And I mean, we've talked about it before. But for those that don't know, I consider SB one of the OGs that was looking into this shit before, you know, before even I thought about looking into it. And I came into my, my, I don't like to use the word awakening or anything. I think that sounds fucking stupid, like a woke or awakening. <laughs> I hate that word, man. Like it sounds so dumb. But when I started to realize that obviously there's more to this and when I really started to dig in, because obviously I was raised Pentecostal Christian all my life. And when you start to ask those hard questions, there's no answers. You know, there's no, they don't right. reciprocate the, the, the energy. It's more like a defensive, like what? Like, no, don't look into that. It's like, why not? Well, because it's like, well, it's because. right. They start warning you. It's even of the devil and stuff. Cause I mean, yeah. I was raised Christian too, and we didn't stick with one denomination or nothing, but I remember the same thing, you know, if you get real wary, real cry and then they start looking at you with sideways eyes all the time. Cause you're the one of these question askers, right. You know, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because the problem with it, and I noticed it, I mean, it's because it, it, it'll shift your paradigm. I mean, it, when you start to be like, wait, there's a, what's the Nag Hammadi library? You know, what are the Dead Sea Scrolls? What are you talking about? The gospel of Judas? What, what is all this stuff? It's like, right. wait, it's like, wait, it's a different story of the, it's a different take on the same story that you guys are feeding me. So what makes your guys right? Oh, the council of Nicaea. Oh, okay. What's going on here? So I came, you know, it, Growing up, I was reading Bigfoot, you know, stories about Bigfoot when I was in elementary school, the UFO phenomenon. I, re I remember when I was a kid, I mean, 
I know you're, you're probably a lot older than I am, but we used to have these book fairs at school and there mm -hmm. would be all these like National Geographic books and stuff like that. And I was, I would always ask my parents for money to buy books and I'd always buy like, you know, like the Goosebump books and all this shit. Like you're, you're, did you ever read those when you were? Oh yeah, yeah. Now I didn't read too much Goosebumps, but I mean, I was obsessed with the, with the book fair. Now when I was really young, I loved Beverly Cleary and like the Indian in the cupboard, but I would always look at those, uh, the books that, you know, talk about unsolved mysteries or mm. outer space, you know, and, um, but what got you into all this SB? What got you digging deep into the, you know, into the occult and peeking down these rabbit holes? Cause I've heard you say before, sometimes this information that you stumble across, it, it can be a liability for yourself and obviously for others. And I mean, you've experienced that firsthand you know what i'm talking about but yeah yeah what got you looking into all this kind of stuff bro well you know um i was always uh suspicious in general as far back as i can remember of authority and um you know i grew up when i was a kid in the sacramento valley so it was just like a given um in really poor neighborhood you know like we were true white trash there was a uh, i think i-80 intersection intersected uh one side was the white poor white trash and the other side was mostly all the black people and so, you know, we had more of like a bond between each other as poor people than we did with anybody who was supposed to be in charge, you know. So, um, but I would say probably like I remember a friend of mine's uh, dad had given his dad had given had left a book at his house and it was called Pawns in the Game by William Guy Carr. And of course, this guy's a, a naval intelligence officer coming out of Canada and he's a Catholic and um, he was decoding inside of that book all of the symbolism on the dollar bill and explaining the Illuminati. What was the guy's name? William what? I'm sorry. W William Guy Carr, like G-U-Y-C-A-R-R, -R, pretty sure. And, um, and so uh, that book got me tripping. And I don't remember if it was – I read that book. And then – so I took a class when I was in college, probably 1998. Uh, and it was when the internet was still pretty new. I mean, it wasn't brand new, but it wasn't like it was normal yet. Right. And so they had this class where they would teach you how to use the library in college. And they also had this expanded, uh, it was a newer class because they were also teaching you how to use like Lexus Nexus and search engines at the library and regular browsers and search engines. And, um, you had to choose like a master report. The whole class was just to do all this research to make one report. And so being the wackadoo guy that I am, I chose the relationship between the world's largest banks and the world's poorest countries. What grade was of this? Course, <laughs> I mean, it was like my first year of college. So, you know, it would have been, you know, I would I was probably 18 still. Cause I actually took my years of college. Um, I took uh, one year of college uh, overlapping with my high school career, not because I was an honor student, but because my uh, counselor screwed up. And when we scheduled my driver's uh, education, somehow we managed to miss a class. And so I came in at the beginning of my senior year and she's like, you're going to have to go zero through six period your whole senior year. And I'm like, but I'm not, I'm not going to do that. You know, I'm not showing up at the school at 10 minutes to eight and staying until four o'clock every day. It's just not going to happen. Damn. You know, I already don't want to be here anyway. Yeah. And so we looked around and they had for kids who were behind, they had a special program at the local community college that allowed you to catch up your credits. So I actually caught up all my high school credits and then was getting college credits. It like worked great, you know, but so that was, you know, when I was 18, and um, Juan, I actually, I, I, I tell people I have a habit of sometimes of falling back asleep, you know, 
like I did that and I read that book and I recommend the book. It's worth even if you just scan through it. There's a lot of really good information in there from William Guy Carr. And he wrote another book about like the red fog over America. So it's still this Russian stuff. You know, a lot of it's blaming the Russians, the communists <laughs> and uh, hinting at the fact that they might be Jews and, you know, all this kind of stuff, you know. Um, but uh, after that, for some period of time, I uh, I remember I fell back asleep and I just like. I still knew it in the back of my mind, but I wasn't actively searching anymore. And so I was just kind of going through my life and being normal. And then my buddy saw Dylan Avery on TV. Uh, Dylan Avery actually appeared live. Dylan Avery was the guy who allegedly produced the Loose Change 9-11 documentary, if people don't know. so And this was one of the biggest 9-11 things to hit was Dylan Avery and his Loose Change documentary about the 9-11 conspiracy. And um, there's a show, a woman named Amy Goodman used to be on a show... Uh, it was like a gatekeeper, tell more truth than the regular channels, but still really not telling all the truth. <laughs> kind of a news, like PBS kind of a thing. I'm trying to think of what it was. Uh, Democracy Now! Okay, so Amy Goodwin had Dylan Avery on a live spot on Democracy Now! And my buddy caught it, and so he told me about it. And we found the documentary on, uh, on um, the internet, and that woke me back up again. Because, you know, for a while there, like, I learned all that stuff. It's all about Freemasonry in that William Guy Carr book and, you know, the conspiracy, Illuminati, Adam Weishaupt and all that stuff. And so I just kind of forgot about it and went on living my life. And then uh, 9-11 woke me back up. And so I started following Alex Jones. And then you get far enough, you start thinking Alex Jones is a shill. So you start looking for other people. And I was following Eric Huffschmidt and uh, Christopher Bolin and a man named um, Daryl Bradford Smith. And they were like a team of three researchers who were covering, covering Zionism and covering 9-11, covering all these other zillion and one conspiracies. And then they had like a huge drama breakup like we see people having nowadays. You know, you get a team of people you're following, you really like them. And all of a sudden, other dudes pointing the finger at other dude and he's a shill and he's taking money or he's lying or he burned me, you know. And so that was happening way back then. That was probably 0304, somewhere around that time in the... Uh, Believe it or not, I fell asleep again after that. Actually, I did it on purpose because I found, if you remind me later, I'll, I'll tell you the story. But I found this crazy stuff. And like you said, you know, it made me feel, the feeling I had was if I had the information this man is talking about in my personal possession instead of listening to it on an audio, then I would be afraid, right? Like I would have to hide it or I would probably burn it up. You know, I'd probably destroy it. And so... I, it kind of spooked me out. And so I quit looking at all that stuff intentionally and started studying like uh, marketing and advertising and self-improvement and all. And I still do those things now, you know, that's how I found Beth Martins and became certified in the release stuff was continuing. A, a, I'm a, this, this uh, stuff brought me to a place where I've busted through the other side of feeling like we're all victims and that we're all in danger and that we're supposed to be afraid and ended up in a place where I feel like it's really changed and improved my life. You know, and I try to encourage people to get to that level and not, you know, they call it fear porn nowadays. I think that's a really good term because it's so common. Like on Twitter today, I went and muted a bunch of words because this new Texas shooting is so mm. horrific in the descriptions. And I'm not jumping into it, you know, like I don't want to go look and search and land on 4chan and try and discern what's happening and figure it all out. I, I really I just say prayer for everyone involved, regardless of what anyone thinks of it but I don't want to see it because I don't want to give up my loosh, as they say, you know, I'm not trying to be triggered by it, you know? Absolutely. And it, we were talking about that, right? About falling asleep and, and on purpose. And it's not so much falling asleep as because I, I consider it almost like a, because a lot of these things, how you said, it's all, 
energies and frequencies and your loosh, if you want to call it that, whatever it is, we know these these attention nowadays, especially is, is a hot commodity. Data is a hot commodity. Yep. We we see that. I mean, look at Facebook. Look at these social media platforms that are taking our our information, selling it to God knows who, and being yep. fined billions of dollars because they're doing it without our knowledge. And we voluntarily give our energies up, right? Because you it, it it's it's a weird magnetic thing, right? And we talked about that too mm -hmm. when we were exchanging messages about this magnetism when it comes to these sort of things and what you know being social media addictions especially being social media you know anything you know porn addictions whatever it is that you can you, right. you have battles with because we all have internal battles right and and sometimes like for me for a little bit it was stopping vaping you know i was trying to quit vaping and i'm i'm i know the mind is is strong dude like i know it's you know that that whole the placebo effect is magic, all right? And, and that's mm -hmm. we, that same effect that when people heal themselves by thinking it, that's what you want to apply in a ma in a ceremonial magic, uh, you know, uh, set up or something, you know, in, in that set and setting. That's what they want to achieve. You know, use it for good. Now, you get people who, again, they, they, they exploit the system and they do fucked up shit with it because we can talk about that later. But point being is, I was trying to stop vaping, and I know my mind is is playing tricks on me, so I just stopped cold turkey, right? And I haven't vaped okay. in a month, okay? Nice, So, nice. But I would drive up to the vape shop and park in front of it yep. and look at the door and go, do I really, do I really want to, do I really want to do it? And then I would sit there and I'm like, mm, put reverse, back out, just leave. Nice. And I did like uh, two I, or three, I, to, I did it two or three times, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, good job, man. Hey, you tested yourself to the maximum and succeeded. So good job. And how are you feeling right now? Are you still, you, did your brain still try to trick you? Like, hey, we could hit a vape or hey, yeah. if your buddy's got one, maybe your, your brain. Because my brain, I quit smoking by reading a book. And um, I did it two different times in my life. I uh, went back to the same book. And uh, I'm one of these, I'm embarrassed actually somewhat about my smoking story because I didn't start smoking until I was in my 30s, which is just stupid, right? Like who who does that? Most people get hooked up when they're a little kid by their uncle or something when they're 12 or they start to be cool when they're in high school, not when they're 31. Right. You know, like, so, <laughs> you know, but so I did successfully quit, but I totally vibe with what you're saying. I understand yeah. that, uh, that the brain trying to really run one on you, like be convincing, you know, and it's the same thing with social media, right? Because it's, uh -huh. it's crazy that every time you, it's almost like when you open the fridge, you see, there's nothing new in it. You close it. You yep. go sit down, you come back five minutes later, you open up the fridge, you look inside. We do this with our with our phones. We open up this fucking app over and over again, knowing that there's nothing new on it, but yep. we still do it. And there's some yep. subjects Mine's that... right there. I mean, as you know, I was just trying to use it to make it work today. And it's, I mean, oh, you know, if I turn it face down, to me, that's a symbol to myself that now you're up against a test. Are you going to flip that thing over or not? Because you yeah. shouldn't, especially not during this podcast or out to dinner with your lady, yeah. sitting with your grandpa or something, right? And you're looking at your phone like, what am I doing? You know, I'd catch myself doing it in traffic. I know the light's going to be long. Like, oh, I could check Twitter real quick. Like, really? You need to check Twitter sitting in traffic? Twitter's a what fucking I... cesspool, bro. <laughs> so it is. This magnetism is, I relate it to some subjects as well that, you know, that, that no matter how many times I talk about it, no matter how many times I look into it, no matter what, I will never not find, for example, the occult uninteresting. 
it is forever right. fucking the most interesting thing because it's that I guess you know when, when we were kids don't do that and and the more they tell you not to do that the more you want to do it right you know what I mean so when you have th this talk about these secrets right the uh, secrets of the universe or all this shit's like what like you know a as a person as a being I think that's something that we innately just think of. It's just something in our minds that just, you know what I mean? That's there that wants to know more, that wants right. to know the why. It's like Plato, Plato talked about not wanting to know how the universe was made or, or not how the universe was made, but why. Or I might, I might have that mixed up. And he talks about in Timaeus or something like that. And, you know, I've always been drawn to this aspect of, of you know, aliens and, and Bigfoot and the Bermuda Triangle. And, you know, being in elementary school, you start looking at the superficial shit. Like, oh, this plane went missing one time. You know, ships have gone missing. But then you start looking into deeper things where it's like, oh, wait, there might be actually portals at these 12 vial vortices. And it's not just mm -hmm. the Bermuda Triangle. You have the Dragon's Triangle over by Japan. You have Mohenjo-Daro. You have all these, the Stonehenge. You have all these things. And then they put these movies out, bro, with the symbolism because I, you know, Manly P. Hall says symbols are the language to the soul. And then in the movie Transformers, one of the newest ones, you saw the ship was plugging into Stonehenge, like a fucking. Did you see that movie? I oh, know. I haven't seen it. They, they, it's like a big mothership, and it plugs into the Stonehenge, bro. And I'm like, what <laughs> the fuck? You know, like right. that's crazy. Like that, they put that's this symbolism cool. <laughs> out there. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Did you ever see the? Uh, did you ever see the movie for? Um, uh, what's that? Warcraft. Did you watch Warcraft? The movie, the, the animated yeah. movie for. Yeah, like to me that one was like, oh, I've watched it quite a few times because the first time we ever watched it, we were in Scotland on vacation, so we went to the theater, right? So then it becomes sentimental, even though it's not perfect. But I wouldn't say it's bad. A lot of people trip, you know, and they they want like a specific type of plot or production. But I'd say it's pretty good. But I mean, they're literally using. I enjoyed uh, it energy to open portals and to wage war by jumping through timelines you know and so it makes me wonder if i think everything in hollywood and the movies a is designed more to guide us and obviously not so much to entertain us but b because it hints at or parallels reality in some way and that doesn't mean that it's so so plain and straightforward that it's just that simple that we have to get an archway and do the right herbs and the right magic and the right incantation. And then a literal portal will open up. It might be, I don't disbelieve that it might be possible, but we don't know what's the metaphor. What are they trying to tell us about how reality might really work? You know, and, and of I course, think, I think immediately of Gabriel, you know, Gabriel to me has a line on whatever their symbols and their language really is. He's got it naturally in his heart and he's willing to, he's humble enough to let it come through without talking himself out of it, which is what most people do, right? Yeah, shout yeah. out to Slick Dissident Gabe. We're going to be doing a, an episode on fri on this Friday, I think. So Nice. You know, the another thing that... Because I do believe... What, 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 I was watching... Was it... What the hell is the name of that show? Because, you know, the truth is stranger than fiction. And I was watching The Twilight Zone, right? I was, I was going to be on a podcast... And the dude, every episode, he covers a different episode of the Twilight Zone. And I had never watched the Twilight Zone. I'd always heard about it because I went to Disney and I got on the the Tower of Terror and all this shit. You know, and they, okay. they show you the Twilight Zone and all that stuff. But I had never actually sat down and watched it. 
Yeah, so you're talking about the real Twilight Zone, Rod Serling back in the yes. day, black and white. Yeah, those are bomb episodes. I haven't the watched them for OG a long time. Yeah. Twilight. And I had never seen them. And this dude was like, hey, you want to be on my podcast? Just watch these. Ep- we did two episodes. Watch this one and this one. And I was watching it. And I'm like, man, they let this shit slide back then they were letting people watch this stuff like you know about uh talking about alchemist and living forever and all this shit i'm like wait a minute what like time traveling and and all these secret things and you see that like i feel like after the matrix after fight club after these cerebral movies i think everything after the year 2000s right post 9 11 and all this shit i think it's like watered down bullshit it's like the yeah. same plot over and over again. And they just like, will drip feed you like a little bit here and there. But like how you said, absolutely. These movies are here to guide us. And if you have eyes to see, then you will read between the lines. You know what I mean? Cause uh, how yeah. David Icke says, it's one thing to be in a prison where you can't touch and feel the bars versus to be in a prison where you can touch and feel the bar. You know, it's not, the, it's, it's the uh-huh. same shit. It's just, the mind right this mind prison that they put us in like you said they're constant the newest thing is the monkeypox bullshit you know uh the right. shooting that just happened in texas which is unfortunate but We're like two or three of them all in a week or something right like you know and i'm not even trying to look but i still on twitter is the main place i end up getting news whether i want it or not you know mm-hmm. on twitter and, I don't uh, look I'm definitely don't... addicted to twitter you know straight up i won't deny it I, i'm hooked on twitter i'll be messing around in there all the time I don't, I don't go on, I go on to, I have a Twitter account, but I don't have, I don't, I don't browse it. Cause it's a cesspool. I know it's, it's just full of people, you know, and you can't distinguish you have to curate your feed really hard to get anything good. And that's what I do. That's why I said, I went muted words. Like I can get a good experience out of Twitter, but it's constant maintenance, like driving a stick where the uh, carburetor's bad or something. You know what I mean? You're always feathering the gas and you're jumping over to the brake, trying to get it through the intersection. And you don't want it to backfire. I mean, that's how I, it didn't used to be that way, but that's how it is now. You know, and I'm tempted sometimes to drop it, but I'm hooked still. You know? But SB, how are you able to decipher the real people from the fake people? Like, how are you able to decipher the, the, the cipher, the NPCs from the actual people? Because we know that they do this. We know that they put fucking bots and in, in these algorithms right and the new mm-hmm. ai which i feel that these 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 new ais are homunculus they are the the new artificial light forms that are created for one purpose right just like a uh-huh. homunculus alchemically speaking right it's made artificially whatever you if you want to subscribe to that or not but how do you, can you even distinguish because you see like i'll go on reddit a lot and you see just people you feel like you're alone in this world. Like everybody's agreeing with these fucked up policies or whatever it may be on the left or the right. Cause I don't care if it's left, right. If right. it's a fucked up policy and it doesn't make sense to me, then I don't care who, you know, who's behind it. I don't care if it's the, you know, the right. Democrat, Republican, whatever. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, same. It doesn't matter. It just matters whether or not it's linear common sense, where it comes down to being uh, kind and in loving, not in fear and all of the things that we know to be true for most of us for naturally in our heart. Now, some people might be a little thick or a little bit slow and some might be malicious, but yeah, I'm glad you asked though, because, okay. So to me, that was a big part of what happened when I first uh, started to study all this stuff. You notice that there's all this shilling going on and there's either people that are being managed and controlled from the outside Mm -hmm. or that they're actually not real people or they're uh, outright agents that are being paid on purpose or, you know, so now from back then until now, and I'm sure there was some automation and robot AI stuff back then even, but now people, most people I think don't understand how seriously powerful these uh, robot accounts are. Like somebody was talking about it. I used to have a screen capture that was a good example of it. They were talking about 
um, they were arguing with someone about how they would definitely know, right? And so the person uh, used an AI to generate five or six responses in the conversation and then revealed it to them through screen, screen captures and told them what was up. And it was very good. And it was contextual. It was amazing, right? So the one way that I would say that I could tell the difference personally is because I'm a person who engages with people, send private messages, really chime in and not just kind of be a passenger. If I'm interested, then I, I'll ask a question. I'll quote tweet your tweet and ask you a question and see if you respond. And if it comes to a disagreement or where I think someone's front or they're fake, oftentimes I'll invite them to go live right now. I don't do that much anymore. But back in the day, I'd be like, well, let's jump on a stream and talk about it, you know, and drop them a link or, or push the button and invite them in, you know. And, you know, to me, that's a clue. If you're not willing to do that or if you come up with a bunch of excuses, then that's evidence of something. It's not a guarantee. But um, Reddit used to be a blast back in the day. But uh, I don't really go on there anymore because it seems so curated, so managed and so controlled. And so they get an idea that they want promoted and they've got all their little robots and AIs yes. that make people feel like it really is a wave of agreement where people are jumping on the bandwagon. And so then people, of course, do. They want to be a part of the group. They want to feel included. They don't they don't want to be disapproved of so that they jump in. And, you know, I think it's a powerful brainwashing tool. And um, there's a huge mega thread about uh, how much AstroTurf bot accounts and all that stuff on on Reddit. And I used to share that on Twitter. And um, I could definitely find that and drop the link to you so people could see. Um, I, I go with the gut feeling, Juan, that the Internet across the board is probably minimum 40 to 50 percent completely fake. You know, like Have you seen the like, YouTube video as the Internet is dead theory. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I watched uh, Howdy. Is, is that is his name Howdy or Howie M- McCluskey? I always get his name mixed up, but he was talking about it with Chance, I think, with Chance Garten from Interverse. Um, but I are and uh, there was somebody else that I saw it before that. I don't remember who, but yeah, and I think it's true because we we're old enough to remember when a search would, you know, in 1996, man, a search would land you in places that you didn't want to be quick, fast, and in a hurry. You'd be clicking the back button fast, fast, because you type in the word teen plus anything and you land on a bunch of weird Lolita sites and nothing was managed and controlled like it is. And you end up in a place where you're scared to even look like, what the hell is this? You know, and it's all nightmarish and weird, you know, and it's not like that anymore. But even worse, like the search results don't even bring you, especially if you're shadow banned or they're avoiding your content with the algorithm. You can't find it unless you type in the exact thing, you know, and so the- I run tests. The YouTube channel that has the the original video that I saw it it was the Dead Internet Theory all the YouTube channel is all time, and this guy talked about it. And he's made a couple of follow up videos of it, and absolutely because one of the things that got the ball rolling for me was you know you have uh, this this talk about the internet right because in Gematria www equals six 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 right that's the mm-hmm. oh you know the lizards. The original people who came up with the internet was CERN. You know, what the fuck is CERN doing? They're trying to what? Open up portals to other dimensions for the for the for the Higgs boson, the god they call it the god particle, but the entire quote is the god damned particle. And you know, you have people like Steve Hawkins and all these guys talking about Stephen Hawkins, whatever whatever that guy's fucking name was. Uh, talking about how eventually, you know, man, if, if they're able to tap into this, we're going to destroy ourselves. What is that one movie with Spider-Man about where they open up a portal and it starts, it's like a black hole and it starts to suck all these things in. Right. Again, 
Marvel and all these movies, they put it out there. They, you know, into the Spidey verse or Spider Verse, the 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 animated Spider Man movie, one of my favorites. What's all that about? Alternate timelines and these things coming through this portal and being dragged into our timeline. The newest Spider Man, No Way Home. They open up a portal and they go, I just came, I just walked through. I just, you know, fell right. F- fell right in. I've heard I've had an occultist tell me sometimes you just slip right in. Right. And you have to make sure that before you fit that suit all the way in, you pull out. So you don't get too I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about, bro? What are you saying? He goes, no, nah, you just slip right in. I don't know what the fuck that meant, but whatever, dude. I mean, everybody will do what they want. But I feel that with this well, whole- the old mythology, it's that way too, right? Like if you go to fairyland, you don't want to be eating any pomegranate seeds because you're going to end up staying there forever, right? And that's what the fairies yes. are trying to trip and do is bring you over there and offer you lots of yummy, good smelling food to see if you'll kick it, you know, if yeah. you want to stay, you know? So yeah, absolutely. I, I just watched the brand new, we went to there's a DMX over here uh, in, um, is that what it's called? Like the big movie screen? DM, DMX is the rapper, bro. Nah, I got it wrong. It's funny. Well, I, I wish DMX was I, here. I, IMX. Yeah, yeah, IMX. Thank you. I don't know why I said DMX. That's hella funny. <laughs> Shout out to DMX. Wherever you're at, bro. R.I.P. son. <laughs> That's right. Oh, shit. But this, this whole thing about the internet being a portal to another dimension, because my buddy, right? Uh, shout out to Thomas, Paranoid American. He fucks a lot with AIs and and these algorithms and he'll be asking it stuff, bro. And this thing will respond back with movie scripts, with with recipes, with with book titles. It'll write an entire essay. It'll answer questions to you. And I go, dude, this is a fucking Ouija board, dog. Like we asked it, what would be the best all time conspiracy episodes to do? And it gave us a list. And what are we doing? We're following that fucking list. And we're going to do that list because the AI said. So I'm like, I've never fucked with the Ouija board. But this, what makes this any different? It's another entity on some other side of something that we don't even understand. Giving us answers to questions that we're asking it. Right. You know, it's the same. It's the same. It's the other side of the same coin type of thing. You know what I mean? And kind of kind of subtle mind fucked us into trying it when usually like if me and you walk in and everybody's uh, smoking weed and playing with the Ouija board, we might walk right out like, nah, y'all, we're not down. I'm not interested. Right. But now, hey, oh, it's subtle. It's different. It's coming from a different angle. So, well, I already tried it once. I might as well continue. And we don't, you know, and I mean, I mess with it, too. I don't get too deep into it, but I've sat there and talked to these bots and I mess with the AI art generators. And it's kind of hard not to. I mean, it's, they're giving us the technology right in front of our face. It's brand new, allegedly, you know. One of the the simulation argument, right? The simulation. Because, okay, a theory and a hypothesis, for those that don't know, because a lot of people, oh, well, uh, simulation theory. It's not a theory because a theory you can prove scientifically. A hypothesis hasn't been proved scientific, scientifically. Now, I find it interesting that when did you ever see that when Elon Musk brought up the idea that we might be in a simulation, Bank of America came out with this article saying that, yes, there was a 30 to 50 percent chance that we were that we are in a simulation. Did you see that? No, I, no, I Bank, never saw a Bank of America article. Wow. Bank of America came out with a with an article. They came out with an official statement. Bank of America. 
Now, maybe by me, my by me saying this, because I've said it a few times on the podcast, maybe we'll get like a Mandela effect or some crazy shit because you know you know how it is. But they came out and said it. They're like, hey, yeah, there's a thirty to fifty percent chance you might be in a simulation. But don't worry, make sure to pay that interest and make sure to pay your bills and make sure to do all this shit. Which we know the money system, according to Tracy Twyman's beautiful work, that it could be a possible alchemical. Uh, you know, from alchemical, it, it was birthed from alchemical means, which, right. You know, if you really I think start, it was, and I, you know, cause you know that, uh, you know, the main economist that, uh, everybody follows nowadays, uh, what Keynes, I'm trying to remember his whole name, Maynard Keynes, you know, his, his, it's his theory is the one that really pushed the fractional reserve side and to get them to generate so much, uh, you know, something out of nothing, so to speak. But allegedly, he jumped into an auction and bought all of um, the alchemical uh, writings and all of the books and the whole collection from uh, Sir Isaac Newton. Supposedly, oh, yeah. Keynes bought Sir Isaac Newton. And their publication alchemical. is called The Alchemist. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, they didn't, just like everything else, right? They don't hide it too deep. They're, they're kind of tipping their hat and let you know, you know? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Because, again, it, that's why it's a cold. That's why I have a buddy of mine who's like, bro, if I. If I do this this ritual and I spin around three times and I tie my shoe backwards and I do a backflip and then a front flip and then I face north, you know, 182 degrees, will I see Baphomet? And I'm like, dude, maybe I, it does, but it's not as simple as that, right? It's like the the thing behind the monetary system is the, the main thing, which is it's a simulacra, right? It's a it's a this empty right. symbol that is powered by nothing except for the you know i'm i'm digging into the the history of florida and it's very interesting because i'm seeing a lot of correlations of why places are named what they're named right mm -hmm. you have henry flagler you have henry b plant which plant city you have the mackle brothers you have uh, uh the people who founded you know uh home homestead which is i have a house down in homestead that's uh, south florida past miami Homestead was one of the first settlements. They named it Homestead. I was like, I've I've lived there. You know what I mean? Like, I know what it's like. And these guys, bro, there was this uh, on the southwest end of Florida. There was this town called Everglades City, right? Where it was, I, I forgot what they call it. They call it working cities, I think it is, where like working towns where everybody, you know, just is there settling and, and they're developing everything out, right? But point being was that the guy that made that city, he had his own currency and he was, mm -hmm. uh, his name was, it's a, it's a county here in, in, in Florida. His name was Baron, not Flagler. Anyways, one of these names here in Florida, it's a very common name. Damn it. Anyways, he had his own currency, bro. It was Baron dollars or some shit like that. And the people right. in the town would pay the 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 movie theater or whatever it was in there with his own made up money right he like made everybody use the money like the company they Script. would work for the company and then they yeah scripts yes yes and they would yeah. give them the i'm like i was like what the fuck like that's the craziest thing that you, that's a cult bro like, straight up that's a cult where you're able to like here's this pretend this monopoly money um, right, you're gonna like use coal it mining town for most famous for it, but it was a lot. There was a lot of people that that were. Stuck I didn't in that know system. that. I did not yeah. know that, bro. It's it always crazy. makes me think of that uh, Tennessee Ernie Ford song. You know, I owe my soul to the company store. You know, what I'm oh, talking about. Yeah, you and know, I've never heard it, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 
Yeah, because he's singing about loading coal all day. You know, you get you 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 haul sixteen tons, and what do you get? Another day older and deeper in debt, right? Because <laughs> you're just working, and you're you're taking the money they're uh, they're paying you, and you're putting it back into the system. And of course, they're not paying you enough. So now you got to take a loan or get something on credit. You know, so now you owe a thousand dollars credit at the store, and they'll still give you fifteen hundred more, and you're just in this, you know. So I would say they're still doing the same thing to us, but they've they've hidden it between, behind two or three more layers, so it's not so obvious to us. So then we're more willing to to participate, you know. That's what that's what the I believe that's what social media is, bro. I mean, look at Amazon, dude. At the click of a button, you can buy whatever the fuck you want, like yep, whenever you want. <laughs> and 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 that's the problem that we do because we're forced in this. You know, they're just like forcing us into this crevice. Like, get the fuck in there, you motherfucker. And they're just kicking you in. <laughs> right. and You're folding up and you're like, what's happening? You know what I mean? And there's nothing you can do to stop it because by the time you're done, you know what I mean? Uh, you, you already, it's already too late. You know, it's like. Yeah, well, once you get in there, you, you settle down and you stop being kicked. So you expand a little bit and you go, I guess it's not so bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I said, maybe it's not so bad after all. So. What yeah. I was getting at with the internet is that I feel it, it is another dimension. It is another place because it was made by CERN, right, to exchange information be, between scientists. We know what CERN is all about. And I, dude, 100%, I think that CERN is connected to Crowley and Parsons and all these guys. Like, if you, mm-hmm. you can trace the line, you can trace it from, and, and there was this guy, bro, that I'm not able to find any information on at all. So, they, number one, I have this theory that that before we get any deeper into it, I have this theory, right? Because when you start to, when you listen to Tracy's work and the stuff that she was bringing forth, you know, I feel that as a podcaster or an artist or anything, we're all alchemists, right? Right now, I'm using words to transform Mm -hmm. the thoughts of people, you know, from one thing to another. And if you really start, depending on which grimoire you read or which alchemical text you read, either the Philosopher's Stone is you or the Philosopher's Stone is some other fucked up thing that, you know, the dark edges of the the Internet that you can get into and all the occult shit. You know what I mean? It's either one of those two things. And I feel that when we use words to transform these ideas in people, I feel that the, the guys that were trying to do all this occult shit, right, they were trying to find the fountain of youth, right? They're trying to lift the elixir of life. They're trying to do all this shit. I think they achieved that. You have guys that are named Jack Parsons that work at CERN. Okay, there's a scientist. There's a couple Parsons at at CERN. Oh, yeah, I never knew that. That's a trip. There's a couple. There, Well, one for sure that he was very influential. There was a Crowley Crowley that changed. He... His last name was Crowley, and then he hyphenated it and added another Crowley the year that the real Crowley, Alistair, died. And I'm like, wow. are these guys able to live on in our minds forever, which they do, because we're, we're still talking about Eliphas Levi, you know, at, at this mm-hmm. point in time. And he was fucking, yeah. you know what I mean? We're still talking about Albert Pike. We're still talking about all these fucks. They live in our head rent free. If you invite them in like vampires, right? It's like, you can only out of sight, out of mind type of thing. They only come in if you invite them in. Right. We yeah. Know when this. they say there's two, two deaths, right? You suffer two deaths in this world. Your body dies and your spirit goes somewhere else. And the second death is the very last time anyone says your name or remembers you, you know? So keep that, keep, keep what you just said in mind. Okay. What you just said as because I was mm-hmm. digging some stuff up today. 
and I want to weave some stuff in here. So I've had this, this theory that these alchemists, right? Because there's stories of the ancient alchemists that would be visited by the ascended masters, right? These alchemists that were able to figure things out and they're able mm -hmm. to live outside the space and the fabric of space and time, right? Like Flamel, right? Like exactly like Flamel, Saint Germain, uh, Cagliostro, mm -hmm. maybe. Like I don't know if you've looked into his story, uh -huh. bro. Like all these guys that they just disappear. Boom. And what does Tracy talk about? These hidden hyperspace kingdoms, right? And all these things, right? right. Where where Truman, if you look at the the at the end scene when th there you see Jacob's ladder, right? The very edge of the firmament, and there's a door. And what does he say? It's like good good morning good evening and good night or some shit like that before he just exits right. the simulation so these alchemists they're living in eternity forever and i think that's the true immortality that they were looking at that they were looking for because i mean what are the what are what were the ancient egyptians obsessed with what were they all obsessed with the afterlife what are christians right. obsessed with the afterlife Right. What are all every religion that you that you think? Well, not everyone, but most of them. It's about preparing you for the afterlife, mm -hmm. making sure that the, you can will save you a seat if you have enough. If you give enough tithings, you know what I mean? To, uh, right. You know, the Gnostics, they even said, well, you can uh, you know, you can uh, achieve divinity by yourself through Gnosis. You know, just learn the secrets. And right. you don't got to pay any tithes or play around with that other stuff. You just got to do the you have to accept that the knowledge is within you and bring it out. You know? Yeah. It, it, what is it? This is a house of prayer and you're turning into a den of thieves where. Yeah. Again, because of the simulacra, the paper, the fake monopoly money. Right. That's held the up. 2D by, world. That's held up by faith, bro. Because if you're investing money today to hoping that in 10 years it's going to multiply, hoping what if the system crumbles before then? You know what I mean? Oh, that's happening to all the, all the digital boys right now, right? I mean, I've got a little tiny bit of money in that stuff just to play around, but uh, I don't have thousands and thousands. And some of these guys, I'm sure, have killed themselves. I know a guy who killed himself, bro. Yeah, that's heartbreaking, man, because you can't... To me, like, anything in your life uh, you want to um, put your time and energy and effort towards is okay, but you should become aware of... Um, what it means to be attached and identify with things. Okay. So, I mean, I might have some cryptos over here in my little tiny wallet, but I don't allow myself to be attached to that, mm -hmm. you know, to, to truly identify with it as me. It's not me. It doesn't, you know, that's a lie you're telling yourself. And really that's true. We could go on a philosophical bent about that, that really attaching yourself to anything, you know, like my identity is pretty tied up in uh rock and roll musician you know my whole life playing rock and roll singing playing the guitar doing all that kind of stuff so there's part of me and i i intentionally work on letting it go a because i'm older and i know i'm not going to be no rock star i'm not going to you know i might go out and play the acoustic guitar or get together with some people and even perform some gigs but i'm not going to go after that young man's dream of being uh you know on stage bright lights uh you know all that stuff but uh so a lot of people or you see it with sports the career ends and you're so personally identified with the image that you portrayed as a Brett Favre, as a Jerry Rice or whatever it might be, that then you you end up in the post log, the epilogue of your own life when that's not true. It's like the, the art, the, the actors that are only identified from that one role. Like, right. like the guy that played Luke, Luke Skywalker, what is his name? Something Hamill or Hamlet. Something yeah, like that. yeah. Where he's only known for being Luke Skywalker. He's not, any, you know, the, he didn't do anything else. You know, I'm sure he made a lot of right. money from that, but 
It's like you said, you yeah, Mark Hamill. Idea. Mark Hamill, yeah, that's the one. That's yeah. The so but yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure Mark Hamill has a really hard time uh, trying to not identify himself as Luke Skywalker. You know, and some days he probably loves it, and some days he probably hates it, right? But the truth is, you can practice in such a way to let those feelings go. And uh, you know, for me, the real truth is, if you really, really get deep into the meditative side of it, you can't really answer the question, "Who am I?" If you're not your if you're not your body, which I definitely don't feel like I have never felt like I was my body my whole life, you know, like there's something here that's utilizing this thing. You know, I've always felt that way. But then, OK, so what's the voice in your head? What is that thing in your head? So if you're not your body and you're not the voice in your head, then what are you? Well, that's the true eternal mystery of all time, you know, and yeah. if you sit with it. You, you start to go crazy, but if you sit with it long enough, you'll get this uh, amazing, overwhelming feeling of peacefulness that you can't really get any other way. And so, to me, that's the real work, right? That's the deeper al- alchemical spiritual work is to start to really be okay with sitting with that and whatever feelings come up and thoughts and everything that come up to allow them to come up and to dismiss them or allow them to leave or whatever happens, you know, whichever path you want to take with it, you know, because... Well, you know, when you're talking about that, because I feel like alchemy, to finish the, the point that I was on, because there is, I forgot which book it was. I think it was Initiate to the Flame by Manly P. Hall, one of his first mm-hmm. works. And I was listening to some of Tracy's stuff and, you know, this this hidden hyperspace kingdom stuff where she talked about how this world could be a a byproduct of an alchemical like an alchemist mm-hmm. right and you have john d mixed in there too which if you start to really connect the dots bro john d right the 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 magician or whoever he was right. and then you have john d rockefeller like all these guys uh-huh. they fuck with you like they do this shit on purpose like they'll you know what i mean that's why i said the crowley crowley and at cern the, the literal Jack Parsons that works at CERN, if you, if you trace the Jack, the Parsons name back, the lineage, bro, it goes to the late 1600s. And, and, and the part, one of the original Parsons was part of the witch trials, bro. They call her the witch of the Northamptons. And she was, she was accused of being a witch and, and messing with the devil. And that was the famous Jack Parsons fucking great, 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 great grandma or some shit like that. Right. Right. I never heard of that. That's interesting. Yeah. Look it up. That's why when uh, Jack Parsons mom divorced his, uh, his, his dad, she kept Parsons, you know, she was divorced, but she kept the last name because of its magical attributes. It's magical properties. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You see that a lot with women, you know, and I'm not trying to disrespect women, but a lot of women will keep that name even if they don't go remarry, or sometimes even if they do remarry, which is pretty jacked up. It's not real common, but I've well, seen she, that. Well, you know? she apparently they say that she knew that it was magical, right, Parsons? So you right. can look that. But there's literally a Jack Parsons working at CERN. There's a crow. There was a Crowley Crowley that helped develop CERN to what it is today. And they got, bro. If you if you link all the symbolism and all this shit, uh, so James uh, James Cameron. Uh, which uh, is that her name? James the movie director? No, not James Cameron. Hold on, I'm sorry. Mar Marjorie Cameron. Jesus Christ, Marjorie Cameron, right. which was Parsons' mm-hmm. second wife, right? Because he had three right. women in his life: the first original wife, the sister of the first wife, and then and actually he married the third one. The, the second one was the one that ran off with L. Ron Hubbard. So, 
this Marjorie Cameron, not James Cameron. Is that the, that's the Avatar guy, right? Right, right. <laughs> so Marjorie oh, Cameron. Me if, you could, if you could haul James Cameron into this, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Oh, but. <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely a lizard. So James Cameron is connected to uh, you know Kenneth Anger and all these guys, and you can trace the the lineage because I found it interesting that James uh, Marjorie Cameron she played Kali in one of the uh the i think it's the symposium of the uh, pleasure dome of something or other i forgot the name of the movie it was like this crazy movie mm-hmm. and she plays kali in that and kali is the statue that is at the front of cern okay is it kali or is it shiva i thought it was shiva no it uh, it's either shiva or kali it's but they're counterparts bro Right, no, exactly. It's the same. To me, one of them being there represents both anyway, so I totally understand. Yeah, it's, yeah. they're counterparts, but I found it interesting that she played that, and she was, uh, she had started this cult, and I forgot the name of it, and they were trying to breed an interracial star child, a homunculi. Like, they were trying to make a homunculus. Oh, yeah, I remember. You talked about this in your episode. Yeah, yeah, so she's... She, guys, people should check that out. If, they, if they're new to this podcast, you got to go back and check out the episode on... Uh, it was about Jack Parsons mainly, right? That was the main thing was tracing Parsons. Yeah. 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 Parsons. Cause good. it's, it's weird because I, we're digging into Henry Flagler, which is one of the settlers, one of the pioneers here of Florida, modern day Florida. And he was changing laws to get rid of his wives. Like, well, one wife in particular, but you know who else did that, bro? You know who else got passed the law to get rid of a wife? King James. Yeah. King James. Yeah, that's what I I meant to say. I got it backwards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, King King James, the guy from the King James Version of the Bible, the reason that he parted from the crown and made his own Bible was because he... Protestantism in England, Church of England came from that. Yes. So I'm like, are these... Are they living on like a St. Germain type of thing? Like spiritually, like some weird alchemical, you know what I mean? Cause like, that's what these guys were all about back then. I mean, you have King James writing about witches, werewolves, vampires, magic, and all this shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Have like, you seen the information that he's gay? Yeah. He was a sodomite. Yeah. Yeah. With yeah. Well, but like he, what I, uh, what I saw was that, um, he like, uh, he made his, he finally married and made his wife, uh, sign, uh, like an affidavit is what we would call it nowadays, but you know, sign some kind of a writ that she promised to introduce him to her male friends. I thought that was taking it to the next level, you know, finally take a wife and be like, but you know, because I'm the King, you're going to have to hook me up here with any of your, uh, of your male friends. But, well, I think we talked about that. Uh, me and me and I had, Gabe on, I forgot where it was. I think it was the the Illuminati confirmed. Ask me anything, and we were talking about how the wives of all the greatest scholars and people in history were actually hermaphrodites, and they mm-hmm. were there to guard like the lineage or some shit like that. Right? Yeah, I like that theory. I think I've heard Gabe talking about that. That maybe all of the uh, first lady types, uh, yes. you know, whether it be a queen or otherwise, that their position is actually. And yeah, with uh, Michelle Obama, it seems very likely, you know, to me, like uh, she's so um, substantial of a character physically and um, personality wise that it makes sense that that you need that hedge. You know, you need someone that stands 
you can put full faith in that stands in the gap for you because you're you're at the controls, you know. If you're trying to be president of the United States, there's no time to do nothing but be president. Oh, dude. And you got to have people looking after you, you know. And you know who ordered the killing of John D? Uh-uh. No, I never looked into that. King James. That doesn't surprise me. And I knew that they were connected because I had heard it before that King James was scared of magic and he ordered the killing of John D. But I was I had never connected it. So I I, I never I, I'd never said it, but here we go. D left Manchester in 1605 to return to London, but remain warden until his death. By that time Elizabeth was dead and James the first gave him no support. D spent his final years in poverty at Mortlake, forced to sell sell off various possessions. Da da da. Uh so I forgot who the see it doesn't say that he ordered the killing of him, but I heard that somewhere where it was like King James, the King James, was mortified of magic. He was like a little bitch with it, so he wanted to. Yeah, because he had a witch master general, and he wrote a whole book about hunting witches and everything. Yes, the the yeah. it's called Daemonology, and and it's right. a book. It's a three part book, and it talks about packs with the devil. How, bro? It says in there. The use of demons is for the further glorification of God. So it's yeah. okay if you use demons because at the end of the day, it's going to glorify God. It's like, wait a minute. And this is the guy that ordered what? And it's like, what people don't understand is, you know, we're, we're, we're carrying the intention of these alchemists because that's what it was. You know, you have supposedly Francis Bacon behind all this shit. And I think alchemy it's broken down into two parts i think you got the people who take it for a literal sense because there's a there's a mystical comprehension to things and a literal comprehension and and we know that the elites will shroud things in symbols so you have the people who practice alchemy on a literal sense well they'll like boil their piss and like try to do whatever the fuck and all that stuff right. right but then you have the people who practice it how you said you said you touched on a very important thing of letting go of the ego like that's that's a a part where you're not supposed to like identify with anything how you were saying like you're just supposed to just exist and i think that's what the monks were on you know on to where they would just you know uh let go of all their possessions the pythagoreans especially they were on to that shit they were on to letting go of of everything that they had and putting it in a bank kind of way because that's what the, the pythagorean cult was about they they would people would give up their possessions and if they were to fault on their you know they 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 called the the initiates a different name you know you had the acoustic eye and then you had the the other name for the other ones because there was ones that were only meant to hear and they could only hear they couldn't speak for five right years. it was a vow of silence yeah for about, five years i was gonna five, that's a long time to not talk a word right but they could but they they could take a break from that bro they could go on walks by themselves in isolation and talk so it was weird. And one of the, the main teach there was another guy that was involved in Pythagoreanism, which they don't attribute really anything to him. I forgot his name and I'll have to look up through my notes again. But point being is that did they you do a show on it. No, I did. I did a show on it's on Rockfin and my Patreon on the symbolism of numbers uh, from Pythagorean point of view. And it's a two hour. Okay, Cause I, I never do- dove into it and I trust your research a lot. So I would, you know, to me, that's an easy lead or a start. Just to go where, start wherever you were at. So yeah, no. So I talk about the symbolism of number. Uh, you know, you have the you have the monad, 
Decad, all these numbers. Uh, and then I'm thinking about doing another one on the Tetractus and then another one on the Pythagorean cult by itself because those can be standalone episodes that you can talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So anyways, point being is that they were initiated and they understood that letting go of everything and letting go of the ego and purifying yourself was part of this alchemical process. Now, the term watchers, because when Tracy Tomlin puts it that this world is a byproduct of an alchemical, uh, you know, an alchemical working, if you will. And she talked about how John D might be connected, might be the demiurge, which I really like that. <laughs> right, right. I've got a, I've got a magnet that I ordered that she made. Uh, she had it up on like, you know, she put up two little sites, Razzle and Red, uh, Red Bubble, where she made a bunch of products and uh, it's John D and it says it's John D's world. We're just living in it. Yeah, I've seen know? that. That's I've seen that. Said. Right, yeah. And the term the the watchers takes on a different meaning because when you really start looking into works like the picatrix and all these fucked up grimoire i was i was i was have you ever heard of the the son of here, i'll have it pulled up on my phone i don't know if you've ever heard because do you know who was on to some shit bro the the son of knowledge have you ever heard of that book no, i don't think so dude the sufis and all this middle eastern magic and talismanic magic and amulets and all this shit. Those guys were onto some shit, bro. Uh-huh. The French occultists. One, one hit me up. I had a guy hit me up who was a Sufi in America. And uh, him and I jumped on a private phone call. And um, it was a trip, man. Really? He's, yeah. Yeah, he's really chill, really cool, very spiritual. Like, he was a practicing Sufi. Um, I could send you more information, but I don't want to say it on the air because I'm yeah. not trying to put him on, you know, not trying to broadcast him. But I mean, he's chill. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I'm, I've been meaning to reach back out to him. But you know how it is when you correspond with so many people, it, you know, you almost are going intuitively unless you're going to bank a schedule and be like, all right, it's six months later. I said I would call Juan, you know, or whatever. Well, I, I, I set up but, I set know. up a calendly, but the, I, I, I gave in and I was like, because how you said like, Oh, well, does this day work for you or this? I was like, I just set my schedule up and I just send them the link and I go here, pick whatever day yep. you want. Boom. And then I just set up my podcast like that. Cause I'm it's almost there too. I'm, Cause I'm getting ready to, I'm starting to publish more stuff and I'm going to end up with a calendar. Do you need stuff. to start your show back up, bro? You need to fucking start well, it. Because... You know, that, me and me and Jim have, uh, we've talked about it and it's not impossible, but it's not in the works yet. Like, I'm really glad that uh, we have the weaving spiders because it's something and me and Jim are already both kind of naturally there, but it's definitely not RX only picture show. It's I think totally you like it because you don't have to put on all the work, bro. <laughs> well, that's partly true. I mean, I'm just now getting to the position where we remodeled our house and there's all this crap. Like half the stuff behind me here has got to go. You know, like I we moved from the Walla Walla Valley to Boise and uh, my lady left six months ahead of uh, when I did. And so we didn't do the let's get rid of as much as we can, you know. So I've got a whole bunch of stuff to do to get this house where it's peaceful because it's just barely now not pure chaos. But despite that, I got plans, man. I'm going to publish stuff. I'm going to be, whether it's me and Jim doing picture show or not, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be doing stuff. I mean, I've, I'm starting, you know, I've got I've got things in the work here. So, but I appreciate it. And we will, I, what I told Jim is if we're going to come back, we need to do episode number 66 and have it be a 24-hour stream. <laughs> come straight out, 24 hours like a telethon, you know, yeah. bring it. I've always told you, bro, you need to start that shit back up because I think it was fucking amazing. But obviously things happen, Thank you. I, you know, and hey, I'm open. I, it's just up to me. To me, it's me and Jim. I would never do it without him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
to wrap up this fucking point that I'm trying to make because we keep getting sidetracked. Yeah. The 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 watchers, right? Because she talked about how John D might be the demiurge, which is amazing. And the term the watchers, when you start reading the these different grimoires and stuff, you know, in the Picatrix, a watcher is this entity that watches over your body while you're in the astral plane doing your works whatever it is you know visionary seeing or something it watches over your body so another entity doesn't take over right and you it's like a servient or something you bring it forward and it and it watches you right the watchers and the nephilim and all this stuff and the book of enoch and all these things are these mm-hmm. angelic entities that are outside the, the you know their angel their fallen angels whatever so that takes on a whole different meaning and then you have mm-hmm. the one that really fucked with my head and listening to Tracy talk about it was the watchers and the watching the great alchemist at work. The, the they're watching the alchemist, which is God, at work, do his alchemy, and the alchemy is resulting in the universe that we're looking at. So when she's talking about you know uh, John D and all these guys. Cause they were out, al- they were alchemists. They were the, you know, they were doing this, this shit. They were using scrimers. They were using magic, whatever to do all these things. It just makes me think like, wait, so are they, are they the watchers? Like, is there another end? You know what I mean? Like I, what the fuck is going on? Because I, how I mentioned earlier at the beginning, there are these alchemists and I forgot his name that he, the way that manly describes it is it's like this entity that for foresees all the other alchemists throughout history, almost like a St. Germain esque type person that will visit these alchemists, the ones that are really truly onto the shit and they will guide them into Mm -hmm. like, you know, and then, you know, they'll, they'll give them, they'll drop them hints. And I did an episode with Jared Murphy a couple days ago. And he talks about his book is it's, it's not aliens. It's us. At worst, it's us discovering our lost history. And he talks about how there is bioengineered soil in these different places where these megalithic structures are at. And it's called Terra Preta, which is which is Brazilian for black sand or black soil. Mm-hmm. And it is a soil that can that is a hundred percent man-made, you know, or or made artificially made not man-made because that was the whole thing like is it aliens or is it us and we know that these ancient megalithic structures are positioned in a way where they look like circuit boards so Mm -hmm. i asked him i said what you know this is crazy because he's talking about how underneath the entire brazilian rainforest it's this terra preta stuff which is this black sand and um he's like well the rainforest could have been like a, a botanical garden, like an actual greenhouse botanical garden thing. Cause you know how they always t- tell us like, Oh, you know, nobody could ever live there. Now they're taking down the rainforest and they're finding ruins and lost cities in there. And it's like, wait uh-huh. a minute. I thought you said it wasn't, you know, no, but with this soil that they created that bro, it communicates with itself. It's like a fucking living organism. Now that's not, you know, that's crazy. I'm like, Holy fuck. That's wild. I'm we're like doing this episode. Dude, it's found all over the world. The same makeup of that soil is found right. all over the world. The different parts of, you know, you have it in the Middle East. You have it in the Americas. You have it in Mesoamerica. You have it everywhere. Civilizations that 
weren't supposed to be. Yeah, do you think this ties to that? It was you guys were talking about the blue paint on the uh, the uh, the soldiers, the Chinese soldiers, so, the yeah, terracotta warriors, right? The Hans purple. So the way I the way I linked this to is because he told me something that blew my fucking mind. Because I think that we're all talking about the same shit, just with different names. Now mm-hmm. he brought something. Black up. goo too. It made me think of black goo immediately. You know. He brought yeah exactly. He brought up this idea that he goes. Because we were talking about, you know, like Wim Hof, who's able to change his genetic makeup. That's magic. All right. The dude's doing mm-hmm. magic, but, you know, it's like this practice, whatever. He do said, you do that, it? Huh? Do you do it? You do the Wim Hof breathing? I do it sometimes. It's amazing, man. I'm going to try I'm it. Not- I, I I was doing it in bed one night and I fell asleep. I had never like officially tried it, but I'm going to, I'm going to try it. So he brought up the idea that the universe, it's like this big supercomputer because we started talking about Stargates and shit. And what if back then, and it, and it wasn't the aliens, but what if these people understood, right? They had this crazy ancient technology that the way that they were laying everything out was like they were building like a custom PC build, right? Like they were laying the right. NASCAR lines out, right? And all this shit, they were, there, they were doing it to where it was like a computer and they knew... That if at a certain time of day, certain time of night, they were able to turn this computer on and do some funky shit with it. But then the ancient bloodlines, how does that play into it? I told him, I'm like, hey, he goes, well, the way it plays into it is that some systems aren't backwards compatible. Okay. So if my bloodline is only compatible in Mesoamerica, but I'm in the United States, I might get a little shock every now and again. And that's how, this is how we get synchronicities. This is how we get, you know, uh, different things where it's like a magical experience, like a synchronicity is a magical experience. He goes, because the earth understands this person's effect and that they're connected some way, shape or form. So it will kind of nudge them in, in the direction Uh where they need to go. Hence how the alchemist, the, this this metaphysical ascended master alchemist whatever because I think Wim Hof talks about uh, these monks that were that could meditate for three thousand years and all this shit they were able to you know get into this transcendental state were they able to meditate for x which dude I have a friend of mine who went to I forgot where it was in South America but there was a pyramid and at one point in time the government had opened the pyramid up went in and you can find this on like my older episodes probably. I, don't even fucking know what up. It's the South America, the, the enigmas of South America. I think it's on that episode, which is okay. like episode like fucking 30 or 20 something. They, they opened that pyramid up and then they closed it back up. And he was there and he asked one of the guides, he was like, Hey, uh, why can't we go in that pyramid? And he goes, Oh, well, one of the ascended masters is still sleeping in there. And I nice. go, what in the fuck? He goes, yeah, one of the ascended masters is still, he's, he's sleeping. He's not down. Like, it was like a mummy or something. No, no. He said he was a, still alive in a deep slumber. Oh, like, what? I was like, is this motherfucker Cthulhu or something? You know, cause they talk about how in this age. You saw, you saw that, uh, that gold, uh, monk that they thought was a sculpture and they x-rayed it and his body was inside of there. Right. Did you see that one? No. What? Yeah. He's sitting, he's sitting in the Lotus position and they, they thought it was a, a gold sculpture. And so they x-rayed it and his skeleton is in there. And of course, that's the idea is that they can either become so pure in their meditation that they preserve their body forever or that they remain in a state of stasis. Or ideally, the goal is 
that you just disappear. Well, that, that, that's Taoism, yeah. right? The, the secret of the golden flower where right. similar. So, you know, you have the left path and the right path, right? And you have the path that just obliterates everything, you know, jizzes on the sigils and all this shit. And then you have the other path <laughs> right. that retains it, you know, holds in the sperm. Because mm -hmm. it's all about the sperm for some fucking reason, right? And in the in the secret of the the golden flower, that's how we got here, bro. Huh? <laughs> that's how we got here. Yeah, exactly. It has to be about the sperm. We don't have a choice. That's how we got here. You know? Exactly. <laughs> the the secret of the golden flower. I think that's how that's how it is. It's that you're able to achieve this sort of state where you. It's supposed to be a metaphysical golden body that is supposed to live on. For, so a homunculus, right? Except it's not made through injecting your sperm into a cow vagina somewhere in a fucking house with 30 <laughs> windows facing the north end of the, you know what I mean? Like, and you beat it with a dog dick and all this stuff. Cause there's those grimoires too. But this, this metaphysical golden little man that will live on for you in order for you to escape Samsara or reincarnation or the Ouroboros. So that's the, that's the Taoist and it's supposedly that's alchem that's the alchemical so like Chinese. you create your own watcher you got to make your own yes. watcher so that he can watch you yes but he's supposed to live on forever for you so this makes me think is this how we get elementals like is this what elementals are because one of the branches of alchemy that we know the least about is the chinese branch of the of the taoist monks and all these motherfuckers out that's the branch that we least know about when it comes to alchemy we barely have any records of them. So again, if how you said, yeah, an, a watcher that's supposed to just take over and live on for, for eternity for you. And then you go on to this other place. I'm like, all right, bro. So all that to say that I feel that these alchemists are living in eternity uh, in our, in our minds, right? In our minds. And they have achieved the fountain of youth, but in a metaphysical way, not in a, in a literal way, because we get lost in the weeds when it comes to that. Right. Especially when we're talking about the occult and all this right. shit and magic and all this stuff, because you want to see results. You want to be like a Parsons where he's blowing up rockets, right? He's an alchemist. He's blowing up rockets, seeing results. And when you do the occult shit, you want to see results. You want to turn invisible. Right. You want to fight. Right. You get far enough. And that's the question that they always are going to be asking you is like, okay, that's nifty that you consider yourself a magician, but let me see where, let, let's see where, where's your results. Where's the real results. Right. You know, and like Crowley uh, is a good example of someone who claimed that he achieved uh, invisibility sometimes, you know, and um, I mean, there's a lot of those kind of stories or, uh, you know, Flamel allegedly was able to uh, continue living on and on. And that that's, if I remember correctly, that's where the um, uh, Fulcanelli book that he claimed that he got his information from the incarnation, the remaining incarnation of Flamel or whatever. Now, have you heard of Jean Dubuis, a French alchemist? He's passed away now, but he's lived in our time. And uh, now the the author, um, Mark Stavish, has published no. some stuff about him. Now, if you're if you're still researching the alchemy, it's J-E-A-N-D-U-B-U-I-S, I think. It sounds Gene familiar. Dewey. Does he have any works that are notable? Um, yeah, the he his book is just titled like you know the path of alchemy or something like that. I just don't remember it off the top of my head. And because we switched over to my laptop, I don't have an easy way oh, to search. Oh, I think you're talking phone. about. Hold on, because he started an organization 
that's all about that. And he told people that they either need to learn to be a lab alchemist or they need to follow the path of Kabbalah and that you could work either path, but that you can't really accomplish the work without one of those two. And that makes me think of Benjamin Balderson because Benjamin Balderson says that he doesn't believe that you can truly get the uh, spiritual insights without doing the laboratory alchemical work. And I don't know if you've ever heard him talk about that, but like he... He's pretty staunch on that, you know, like he thinks that uh, all this spiritual Jungian alchemy is kind of uh, not all it's cracked up to be. You know, he, he thinks that you have to get the insight from actually learning to transmute things in the laboratory. And then the spiritual enlightenment comes along with it because you've transmuted things in the physical world. Then your level of insight that you're able to achieve changes in the spiritual, emotional world, you know, I mean. I could see where that and and I, I I talked to a Lawrence M Principi, which is he's a professor at the uh, Department of History of Science and Technology and Chemistry. He's the director at uh, some university somewhere, and I had asked him because he wrote a bunch of stuff on alchemy, and he said no. He said that he wouldn't come on the show because he was in on a sabbatical, whatever the fuck that means, and somebody yeah, told, it's like uh some some rich people uh like vacation you go right well that's it. it's like a all right like you go spend a year as an artist in residence or whatever you know uh, sabbatical means that as part of your uh as part of your career you do take it's you know it is like a sabbath right like you take a year off but you're still within the structure of your uh academic path or whatever so interesting well he said no maybe when he, he said when he's done maybe he'll change his mind and come talk to you that'd be cool yeah this dude wrote you know? some shit on alchemy so you should tell him man hey when your sabbatical is open over let me know and then you can put it on your calendly to hit him up you know? <laughs> yeah so i hit him up and what were we talking about i forgot completely what we we're talking about so Fuck, man, I forgot what, what were we well, saying well we were talking about um oh john this yeah. this french alchemist yeah guy. I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna drop it in your Telegram so you just have the at least the uh, the wiki page so we don't forget. That way, it's just there. But you said what year was he was he operating in? Because you said it was in our time. Yeah, I mean, he was doing stuff in the '80s, and he's on video being interviewed and stuff. Interesting. No, I thought it was that Principe guy because I I reached out to a couple people in the because there. So I went to this bookstore here in Florida. And the guy has a copy, uh, like one of the three or one of the six copies of the Amphitheater of Eternal Wisdom. And it's this book, and he's selling it for like 27 grand. And it's this book that was written by Kunbar uh, or something like that. I forgot. One of, one of the OGs, the, the guy who linked Rosicrucianism with... Kabbalah and all this shit like he was like one of the main guys that like really put the work in and anyways uh and I was supposed to see I was supposed to like go over the book like the actual book with the guy with the owner of this bookstore but homeboy ghosted me like we were we had set up a date and everything and then the day I was supposed to drive down because it was like an hour and a half away because I was in Miami uh he fucking never wrote back so I'm like all right bro Yeah, so whatever. Yeah, so that that happens a lot in this kind of work, though, that everything seems to be going well, and then all of a sudden, you know, 
that happened when we were investigating Tracy Twyman's death. I don't want to give too many details because I've never really spoken about it publicly, but uh, we had some leads and some stuff going on, and all of a sudden the path closed up, and uh, it even kind of got not confrontational but weird. And uh, I just let it go because I'm not, you know, I don't want smoke. If it has to be left alone, it has to be left alone. But uh, to me, in your position, I'd be pretty tempted to follow up. Like, do I get to see the book or not, bro? You know? Oh, yeah. that's fascinating. I mean, I still walked away with a golden anniversary copy of The Secret Teaching of All Ages by Manly P. Hall that he had. Nice. And I was just looking through a bunch of shit. Like, I, I got a couple pamphlets, like old theosophical pamphlets from, like, 1920s. Uh, so, and I told when I was there, right before I was about to leave, I was like, Hey, do you got any Manly P hall stuff? Cause I had found one of the pamphlets in the back and my, this is a fucking huge store. He goes, I think I might have, he's like, I had a really big book and it's like, bro, it's like 20 inch book. It's fucking huge. It's right there on my floor. And he's like, yeah, yeah. He's like looking around in this fucking mess. And he brings out this Manly P hall, like one of the original, like, uh, you know, there's 550 copies, it's a second edition, but it's 550 copies of this one golden anniversary. Yeah. It's got all the, the, uh, uh, the Augustus fucking drawings and color, bro. Like the big version color. Like it's a huge book. Awesome. That's awesome. And I was able <laughs> to snag that up along with some other stuff. So I, I had reached out to him again. Cause I'm like, Hey dude, would you want to come on the show? He's like, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, well, can we, we can either do it remotely or I can go because I have like a portable podcast set up. I was like, we can either go and we can do it in person. And he was all about it. And then for some reason, like, he just stopped fucking like responding. I'm like, damn, dude, I spent like fucking X amount of money at your store and this is how you fucking treat me. <laughs> no, it's hard. I mean, that's, a, that's what I mean. Sometimes that happens and you never know. To me, that's the, uh, the blessing and the curse of conspiracy and esoteric occult research is that you hit that point and you seem really chill about it right now. But some people hit that point and then they get all, they get their feathers ruffled, get your hackles up. Like, oh, did somebody tell you to stop talking to me? Or did you find out something and and something led to something? Connections got made and you suddenly see me in a different light? Or what is it, right? What happened, you know? And uh, so, I mean, to me, it's good that at least you don't, you know, you seem annoyed, but you don't seem like... uh, I was really, ex- I'm kind of, yeah, well, I'm kind of, I'm, I was kind of bummed. Like my, my wife was like, oh, what happened? I was like, you just stopped re- responding back to me. Like, but it is what it is, you know, cause I've already, I've reached out to enough people in this realm. I mean, I've been doing this for two and a half years now, you know, I've reached out to people, pe- people flat out say no, you know what I mean? Like, no, I don't want to come on your show or, Hey, it's not my cup of tea or whatever. So I'm used to people saying no, which is cool. You know what I mean? I'm not going to fucking force you right. to do something you don't want to do. But it's like you were all about it. And then all of a sudden, like right when I was about to go drive up that morning, I'm like texting him to confirm that he's going to be there. Right. Homeboy ghost. Done. I'm like, okay, whatever, yeah. dude. Like, you know, but it is what it is. Maybe I might go back one day and be like, what's up, homie? Like you fucking ghost to me. Like, I <laughs> you know I'm that way too. Show up. I'll show up, you know, pull up. They say, right. It's a really up. awesome bookstore. I loved it. And it had a bunch of really great material. Yeah. So, you know, and which episode is this? I didn't ask. Uh, which said, one? What number are we? What number are we? This one. I think this is going to be episode number. I'll tell you right now. 93. <laughs> Nuh-uh, 93. Yeah, so we're going to be 93, which is next week. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bit of a numerology guy. I don't do it as much as I used to, but that's really how I got more into the spiritual What's 93? 93 is Crowley's number, man. No, get that's... the high. You're 94 then. <laughs> <laughs> is it really? 
Yeah, yeah. No, it is. 93 is like, that's what, um, that's the number that uh, translates to Thelema. Like, you know, like if you see Thelemites online, they'll say 93 as an affirmation, as a way to chime in, like to say, hell yeah, or to say amen, or to say, I agree with that. They'll say 93, you know, like, oh that's... my gosh. But, bro. you know, it's okay. It's still just a number. Like, yeah. I, I've, I've been trying to train myself to not have a knee jerk reaction to left handed path people. And just uh, have compassion and kindness towards them no matter what. Um, and it's hard because, you know, like when people are intentionally taken. Now, I know it's not that way for everybody, but the stereotypical view of that is that you've intentionally taken a self-centered or an evil or, uh, you know, a less a taboo path. And I'm not saying that that's even true for all the people that find themselves in that position. But I've got it written on my dry erase board to see Christ in Crowley, right? Like, like, so how do you do that? Because I want to challenge myself, right? I don't, every time no. I see Alistair Crowley's dumb face, I don't want to have a knee-jerk reaction that I'm hating on him. And, like, he's already dead anyway, so it's okay. I can send love to the spirit of Alistair Crowley without damaging or hurting anything. But it's hard. It's a challenge. You know? Dude, I, if there's anyone who wants to get behind Crowley is me. But I just can't. I can't do it. I can't find myself. Yeah, and me neither. I, that's why I put this because I – like I have a hard time even looking and studying and there's a lot of valuable information there. Yeah. You know, whether it's from him directly or not, because they, you know, that path still opens up worlds upon worlds of things, but I have a hard time, a knee jerk, like an abhorrence to it. Like ugh, nasty, like eating pee pee and poo poo and menstrual blood. And, you know, and the farther you take it, the worse it gets right. Well, Next the, thing you know, you're putting a living baby in a bottle and burning it up to make, uh, the philosopher stone and everything else, you know, cause, cause dude, well, like much. that, that's the whole thing, right? Because that's the whole thing with these, with these organizations for those that don't know, it's, it's about breaking taboos, right? It's about how sick can you get with it? And mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Now, if they were, if they were just seek, if they just secretly wanted to just fuck each other in the ass, that's a whole different thing. I mean, yeah, that's you, their business thing, right? If you want to be gay, dude, that's fine. But you don't, don't be claiming, you know, like don't shroud it in, oh yeah, if you do this, you're going to get magical power. That sounds like a, that's a cult, bro. You know what I mean? Like it it's always like, well, and that's the thing is that it's not about being, <laughs> it's not about them secretly being gay. It's about me and you deciding that we're going to make magic. So we're going to intentionally go against our natural heterosexuality and use that strange energy to manifest into something like, no, I'm not interested. Thank you very much. You know, I'm not, no way. That's, that's some weirdness. Right. But, uh, if people look at Sabbateans, uh, Frankists, the idea to transgress your way into heaven is a concept, right? Like they believe that if they just break enough rules, then Jesus will have to come back or then the universal collapse and we'll have to be reunited. Wait, into who, oneness. Was that? who was that? Who's that? Uh, like, uh, like, so um, let's see. Sabbatai Zevi was the first one. Okay. So Sabbatai Zevi was a, uh, he was a version of the Jewish Messiah and he had a pretty big following. They thought he was the real Messiah and um, a part of his, uh, cult that he started was to be transgressive intentionally right so somehow they come to this idea that if you break all of the rules of this realm so say if you go with the full-blown hardcore gnostic belief that this is a completely a false realm created by a false god and that we're trapped here that we have we're parts of the spark of god and we're trapped in this false mm -hmm. realm then if we break enough rules then potentially we increase the rate at which we can break ourselves back out of here and be back to the oneness of god right and so then uh it's kind of um now sabotage evie's uh, story i think that's right now i might get them mixed up so we'll have to check later that's or something. fine but, i guess shit mixed up all I mean, the time <laughs> pretty sure Sabbatai Zevi uh, 
he got caught by the Muslims and they um, they said, well, since you're the prophet and you can perform miracles and everything, these arrows shouldn't touch you when we shoot them at you. So you got a choice. Either you can prove that you're the Messiah and you can live through this uh, assassination attempt. <laughs> or if you're not feeling confident in your Messiah dumb right now, then you can always just convert to being a Muslim like us and then you're all good. And so he converted to prevent himself from dying. And um, Sounds like Josephus, bro. Like yeah, a, like a Josephus, that- yeah. So then uh, after that, the Frankist cult, and I think it's Jacob Frank, uh, that was after. So he's another, I'm pretty sure it's the same thing. He's another Messiah type. And he's like in the 18 middle or early 1800s. And uh, the same thing, you know, they're getting into transgressing, uh, practicing uh, sexual orgies and homosexuality and bestiality and um and doing all these taboo things as a transgressive way to gain spirituality, but that they expanded their cult by uh, intentionally. So they would only inbreed, you know, just like the Royals or anybody else, right? They would do this inbreeding thing to keep their bloodline closed, but they knew that they couldn't do that exclusively because it would obviously cause problems that caused them to all die out in the long run. So then they would put their plants and their members in uh, with, uh, you know, royalty, heads of state, uh, high up people in the church, and they would intentionally seduce these people into the cult, convincing them that it's some kind of a Masonic ascension type cult. You know, if you get in with us and you learn our teachings and you pay enough money, then we'll let you graduate up the ranks. So and that who you was become, this? This is uh, Jacob Frank. So, um, and so that's to me, that's where the main negative, truly horrible people in the world. It's something like that. It's either directly coming from the the Frankist cult, or it's a spinoff or an offshoot of a similar identical cult. Well, you know, there's a guy. Yeah. I could send you a, a thing. Uh, there's one guy's. Uh, have you ever heard of? Um, he used to call it the New Nationalist, but now he calls it Winter Watch. A man oh. named Russ Winter. Russ Winter does some good stuff. Because you know, I've always so. talked about that. I've talked about how there's this, this sect of people that that what they believe that the more harm and negativity the e- the more evil they are the they believe it to be a path to ascension like uh, the path right. to to and i never knew so it's called transgression trans when you right. transgress that, so and i also found that i started to read the uh, there's a famous uh, chaos magic book and um, I just can't think of the name of it, but that was where I turned off from it because I wasn't I wasn't practicing it, but I was humoring it. Like, right, I'm going to read through this Chaos Magic instructional book. Um, I just can't think of the name. I'll, I'll look it up and send it to you later. I'll find it because it's a famous, famous book um, from back in the day, probably in the 80s, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the point at which I just decided I didn't want to read anymore because they started to talk about the same thing. Like, intentionally find the thing that's most sacred to you like, so in your situation, having been raised Pentecostal, to intentionally take everything that you were taught your whole life is sacred and intentionally go into your private magical practice and transgress it to the maximum that you're able to, that that's part of the instructions and the teachings. And to me, I was like, I don't even want to read anymore because mm-hmm. I don't believe that that's I don't see that to me, their logic fails at that point. You can't you can't take profanity. And I mean, the maximum, not bad words, true profane behavior and somehow convince me in any way that that's doing good. Yeah. To me, you're just fooling. You're just deceiving yourself, you know, if, you, if you're doing that. To me, that's breaking the one true commandment that Jesus gave us is to not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. You know, people misunderstand that. Well, to call what is evil good and vice versa, 
to me, that's a path. It, it, it sears your soul. It burns your soul so that you don't know good from evil anymore. And if you do it over and over and over intentionally to me, then yeah, you're making yourself intentionally into a sociopath or something. If you do that, because you can't take what your, your intuition, your conscience is telling you don't do that. You know, that's not good. And intentionally transgress and expect to be okay in the long run, in my opinion. It's not no good. That's no good. You know? No, you, uh, who was Alpha Sleva, I think, talks about that, where it drives where it drives the magician into madness, where you're, right. you know, you're, you're inverting it. Because it's, it's all about an inversion, right? And for those, right. for those that understand what we're talking about, you, you know, if you hashtag, if you know, you know, you know, where they take things and they invert. That's how you get the Black Sabbath and and, and mm-hmm. all these things. Where right, the Gnostic it. Mass is is the inversion of the Catholic Mass. Yeah, know? the Eucharist, exactly. Like it's the inversion of everything. And I mean, you can use your imagination with, you know, you can read accounts of like what they supposedly allegedly did at these places and what they do. You know, and and this is how, you know, me and you had talked about that. Well, I told you that I wanted to touch on it where. Some people don't know where to draw the line when it comes to this conspiracy shit, you know, and like magic and all this stuff like where like me, I'm not a practicing occultist. I like I it's a subject that I fucking find fascinating because it's like, you know, I'm into Dungeons and Dragons and all this shit. So it's like I do believe that back then the world was like Harry Potter where, you know, we did have this innate ability to be able to. Uh, you know how Crowley says you're not you know magic is not meant to bend space and time or like the the physics of this reality but I do believe that once upon a time like if you look at Welsh mythology and all these play, all these stories it's very epic it's very dragons you know wizards mm-hmm. and Dumbledore and fucking Lord of the Wing, Rings and remember these movies are right Arthur and all that you know the King whole, Arthur, there's a whole mythos, there's a huge yeah a whole mythos of King like Arthur like even look know? at the fucking Game of Thrones series bro the Game of Thrones uh-huh. series is fucking fascinating where this dude has like this entire mythology of giants the ice wall right if you want to believe in flat earth and all this stuff you have all these things where it's like the dude came up with it in here and you know I think people look further and further for like that philosopher's stone because they want to turn things into gold but what they don't realize is that you are the philosopher's stone, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're intaking 2D information, and when you digest it, you make art. There's the gold, motherfucker. Like that's yeah, we're the doing gold. it right now. Yeah, exactly. We're literally manifesting gold right now. You know, because someone's going to hear this and they never heard that one little point, or it could be like the most offhanded thing that we said that sparks somebody else's journey and moves them. Because I mean, it trips me out when people said what you said at the beginning, like, "Oh, you're the reason I started this." I go, "Ah, right?" Because like, <laughs> I can't tell you how many people have told you know they send me messages, and I appreciate it, but you don't think about that. Me and Jim goofing off in Jim's basement because I did a flat earth uh, debate with Andy Worski's show. And then we got the bug, you know, like, hey, we want to keep going. And so we start playing with yo-yos and juggling and messing around and start asking people if they want to come on the show. And Tracy Twyman says yes. And then she says, hey, I want to join the team. Can I just stay with you guys? Like, yeah, we are definitely practicing alchemy at that point because that was not our intention. Manifest, you know, right. And then it, it worked, you know. And then, of course, the whole thing blew up and then went completely sideways into pure tragedy, too. And it just is what it is. I mean, so you you know, knock on wood, if you're going to take this risk to step out, I mean, it's a real liability, but is it worth it to me? Of course it's worth it, you know? Yeah. And uh, where do you draw the line? I don't know. I still, I still believe in Jesus. So, I mean, you know, I just have transmuted my ability to maintain that belief away from dogma and towards, 
listening to the to what's on my heart. I was always doing that anyway, because that happened when I was 13. I was at church camp and they did the little altar call, you know, at Hume Lake was the name of the place. And I had that overwhelming feeling to move forward. And I was terrified. I didn't want to go, but it happened, you know, like that, uh, that thing that happens to, to a lot of Christians. And it's not just Christians, right? Something happens. Suddenly you feel like you have a spiritual calling, you know? And so, but for other people um, in the same situation, I would say to, it doesn't have to be Christianity or Jesus. You just get in touch with that thing that you know is a still, quiet truth that allows you to know how to tune into your conscience. And it gives you outside information like you were talking about earlier. Like you do have a watcher. You have some kind of helpful passenger. You know, some people call it your guardian angel or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, to me, a lot of people, they... Uh, they get lusty and excited um, to try things and they don't realize the liability that they're putting. I mean, that's why I see you as very smart. You know, are you willing to study right up to the edge of it? Obviously, yes, because you're one of the most knowledgeable people I've ever found about it. But does that mean you're over here in your closet uh, performing ooga booga? Jerking off onto sigils, bro. You caught right. me. No. You caught me. Right. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> hey, I mean, if you are, it's your business and I won't judge you for it. But we understand that it's not fake. You know, I mean, I've done enough little tiny magical experiments to have no doubt in my mind that it's not fake. It's Can hard. It's hard not to, yes, though, right? Right. Well, I, I mean, that's why I, I, I call myself a sympathetic magician more than anything else. I think we're all magicians, whether we like it or not. The, the role that you play in the world affects everything and everyone at all times. And if you're in denial of that, then that's OK, too, I guess, because most people are. You know, I don't like calling it a sleep either. I would agree with you on that. I don't really like that terminology. I wish we had something. You know, I call it levels of awakeness. You know, I wouldn't call myself awake. I'm not awake. I don't know how much more I'm going to come online and realize uh, how foolish I was at this date today in the future. None of us do, you know, but uh, I guess I would I would advise everyone to tread lightly and to find, you know, if you don't have that natural inner voice, that's telling you what to do, then tread super lightly and kind of like on Chan boards, you know, lurk more. They used to say right back in the day on 4chan, that's what they tell you. You try to type and get some information and they would just tell you, shut up, you know, and in these <laughs> In these kind of realms, it's the same thing. Like you don't want to jump right in and start doing stuff because it will affect your life, it, it, and it could affect it in a very tragic and negative way. You know, I've I've had people write to me, bro, like asking me. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I don't like th- this is my this is my magic right here. This right, like what we're doing right now. Like this is my magic. I just enjoy a good rabbit hole. Like I can't, like I see a good little rabbit hole, and I just I peek down and I go. We're gonna go. do. We're gonna. Are we gonna do it? We're not gonna do it. You know what I mean. So I, I, I just enjoy being deep in research and like learning things that you know. When you give somebody a piece of information that they didn't know about, they just oh, what the fuck? Like they go crazy. Right. Like I love that feeling. So you know. But I've had people write to me like, hey, dude, what do you think if I was to do this? And and you know, which book should I read in order to do this? And I go, yeah. Listen, dude. There's no one size fits all. And when it comes to this and, you know, and, and to this, I'm talking about the realm of conspiracies, occult, esoteric shit. Like there is no one size fits all. Like I'm reaching out to professors, dude, that they're like their thesis or whatever it is that they do. The, 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 you know, to get their PhD is like literally so fucking specific, but they will take that one subject and they will dissect it to its fucking core and like that's mm-hmm. what they defend their thesis on or whatever like that one specific esoteric subject 
that to me would be boring as fuck. That's why I look into everything like, oh, well, yeah. you know, like how you said you believe in Jesus. I still believe in God. You know, I, I think it's very important to believe in God. I think, I think it's important to have a belief system. And and like, bro, like the Greeks, the Greeks believed in a God, you know, emanationists. They believed in right. the source, the one, whatever that was, you know, if that if that is the number 10 or the number fucking 93 or whatever the fuck or 69, whatever it may be. Like, it's whatever you want it to fucking be. You know what I mean? Like, it's whatever you... That's why I do children. Like, they're the most sacred thing because they're the closest thing to the source. And you see it with kids, bro. Like, my son thinks he's Optimus Prime. He's Optimus Prime, bro. He's he's living his reality. Who am I to take anything away from that? You know what I mean? Like, like I go, I, I play along with it. Like, hey, you know, he'll eventually peek through and not awaken, but you know, he'll be like, Oh shit. You know, this is just a costume that I'm wearing, you know? Uh, right. <laughs> I remember one time we saw, you know, like there's the, the yellow Camaro that has like the little transformers emblem on it. Like that edition yeah, yeah. that they came out with. It's funny. Cause whenever we see one of those, he'll be like, it's Bumblebee. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. it's Bumblebee. And then he'll be like, Hey, Bumblebee transform. It's a fucking car. He's not going to transform. <laughs> you know, he's like, and my wife will be like, Oh no, he can't transform. Oh, why not? He's he's off right now, you know. He's taking that's a little. Right. He's busy. He's hiding. He's undercover. He can't. He can't. But do he it right still now. believes that's fucking Bumblebee, bro. Because why? Because we do that. We emanate our reality. We live in our own auras. That's why they say when you walk into a room and there's tension, you can cut it with a fucking knife. You know what I mean? Like all this shit is. Well, people real. know it's real. They're just in denial. Most people are just in denial because they don't like the idea of being so powerful and so full of effect on the world. And so they just reserve themselves and they follow the rules. Let's and there's lots God. of other, oh. right. There's other realities that have already been manufactured that you can fall in line with. And that's why if you do that too far, you become NPC and then people don't even see you. you they see you as automaton. You're not even really awake, quote unquote. You know, you're not, you're not acting uh, enough in your own regard that people see you as even being, coherent or conscious or having a will you know but i would say the opposite of that is to have too much will and you know to me practicing your quote-unquote true will is akin to black magic because if i decide and it doesn't have to be magic rituals of any kind if i just decide you know my goal is to make 10 million dollars this year and i don't care what it takes i'm gonna do it that's black magic to me because i'm i'm putting too straightforward of an arrow (laughs) on on my will and then I'm uh, automatically, even if you do it and you try to be courteous and follow all the rules and the laws, you're you're still skating across the top of a lot of people and a lot of things to not slow down, breathe, look around, increase your situational awareness and see what's happening and then make some kind of an intelligent, willful choice based on the present moment. You know, don't set one pin in time, you know, hey, I decided in 1995 I'm doing blank and no matter what I'm doing that. To me, that's a little too dogmatic, you know? Yeah. And again, it's all about set and setting, right? And when, especially when it comes to psychedelics or even this ceremonial shit, like magic in general. And I've always told people, because again, I still have that, I still have that, that little, I consider myself a heretic. And I had somebody recently reach out and they were like, do you feel guilty? And I'm like, absolutely. I feel guilty. I, I am a fucking heretic. I'm what like my grandma would fucking hate. You know what I mean? Like my grandma's super religious. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, here I am talking about all this blasphemy. Like, what are you doing? Like, you know what I mean? And so that's another thing that's held me back from, you know, either actually dabbling in the occult where it's like, oh, wow, that sounds really fucking interesting. I wonder what would happen if I did that. I wonder what would happen if I, if I, you know, 
uh, waited till this conjunction of something in the stars or whatever and invoked X, Y, and Z. And I wonder what that right. would feel, you know, and that's how, that's how it gets in your head and you want to, you know, take a little step further. I always tell people back the fuck up because you have a filter, you know what I mean? And when you wear through uh-huh. that filter, you open yourself up to a, a, a plethora of things. And, and yeah. I want it's a to- good metaphor, Juan, because if you think about a real filter, now, what happens if you take the filter out of your uh, HVAC? Or what if you go take the air filter off of your car? It'll What's work. Gonna happen? It'll work. Right, for a minute until something blows into a dust storm. Yeah. And now you're hurting, you know, and that's and that's for real about your spirit. A dust storm will also hit your spirit. And if your filter's not in place, then you're going to, you know, how do you get the dust back out of your spirit? I know how to pull the motor apart and rebuild it, but this thing's a little different. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and- how do you pull it apart and rebuild it, you know? And that's something I wanted to bring up to as we come to a close here. Uh, there was something that I saw with the web three and it's got to do with, with Ethereum and crypto and all this shit. And I know you've talked about the singularity and I talked about the hidden hyperspace kingdom idea that Tracy would always talk about, which I find fascinating. So they want to do something now called the soul bound token, which is a token that they're going to be able to give you that you're not even going to be able to get rid of in the Ethereum blockchain. And I, th- I found it very weird because you got to pay attention to these things, the soul bound token. You know, when you have, if you have, yeah. anyone who's ever played World of Warcraft, if you have a soul bound item, you can't vendor it, you can't drop it, you can't do So I was like, is, it, is this the Mark of the Beast type of shit? And then the hidden hyperspace kingdom stuff, I don't know if you've ever heard of Google Backrooms. Have you ever, a Google Earth Backrooms? Have you ever heard of those? No. So there's this thing on Google Earth. And this is going to come full circle because we've gone on these tangents. And I think this episode has been fucking amazing. You know, just talking to you and yeah, you know, I'm happy. This is great. Man. Riffing back and forth. And this is coming full circle to where, you know, back to the whole, the internet is a different dimension. They put these tools at our disposal. And if, you know, there's things such as the dark web, which do exist, you know, if you've ever dove down, I've never been on the dark web before. I know people who have, and obviously you can use your imagination for those type of things, but you know, they, they put these tools at our disposal and you can either use them for good or use them for evil. And we know this, right? So mm-hmm. Google Backrooms, uh, Google Earth Backrooms, it's supposedly, some people say that they, it's like a, they hacked the the software on Google Earth, or whatever, and people are able to implant, you know, it, you're able to take pictures, right? When Whenever you use the Google app, the Google Earth app, and you're able to, draw a room or something like that or a location and there's a way that people troll this shit so there's certain points and you can youtube this or google it whatever there's certain points on google earth that will be will be a point in the middle of nowhere but if you drag and drop the little yellow guy it teleports you into this whole fucking like different like a room like a like a like a crazy looking sci-fi thing and it reminds me of what tracy talked about where these hidden hyperspace kingdoms were the right, simulacra of the hidden hyperspace kingdom. Ah, so what if again, and they just blow it off. Like it's just people hacking the system. You know, it's just, it's fake. Right. Is it really like, is it, you know, that's what they told Truman every time he would try to go down that one road that he couldn't go down. Like, no, you got to turn around. We're repairing the road up ahead. Damn motherfuckers. You guys are always repairing the road up ahead. <laughs> you know what I mean? And what does the dude say at the beginning? It's like, well, you know, why hasn't Truman figured it out? Well, because we accept the reality that's, you know, that's presented to us as the true thing. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, you're in a false world 
and you need to do fucked up shit because it doesn't matter. I do think that there are just how in a, in a Windows operating system, you can't put a Mac uh, app on it because it's got its parameters. I do think life still, you need to take precautions and still live it. Even if you don't believe, you know, because because it can get dark when you think about that type of shit. Like, oh, well, uh-huh. why does it fucking matter? You know, if I fall into nihilism, which right. is what Nietzsche was talking about. You know, God is dead. He wasn't celebrating God's death. No, no, no. no. Read the full quote. God is dead and That's we right. killed him. You know, we're the murderers of murderers and and all this shit. That's right. But and there's so much blood. We can't clean it up. That's yeah, what he said. but people don't understand. Oh God, he said God is dead. He's a fucking atheist. No motherfucker, look into. He was sad that we were stepping away from the system because it leads you to nihilism. You know what I mean? It leads you to that dark path, and then you have you know the type rope and the the Uber mensch and all this shit. So, but people don't do the research, SB. They don't go down these right. rabbit holes. They don't fucking read anymore. It's like, give me the headline, bro, and you know I'll take it for what it is. But, dude. Uh, I think we'll leave some on the table for the next time that I have you come on. And yeah, I'll come back anytime, man. Just hit me up when it seems right. And we'll just uh, trust that intuitive gut feeling and do this anytime you want, man. I'm down. I'm totally down. Yeah. And this is, this is great to me. I feel like uh, we were able to have what is akin to a conversation that has a private vibe, but both full aware that it's not a private vibe that you're going to publish it on your show. And to me, that's uh, that's way better than you coming up with 12 questions and, uh, you know, very carefully finding the right moment to ask me each one and hope that the answers I give are close to what you were hoping I would give and all, you know, so. Yeah, dude. And, you know, for those, I usually, I like to do the unscripted shit. I really do because I, I feel like I can just free flow with it. But, you know, not everybody can hang, you know what I mean? Like you got the people who aren't really that attuned to it all. And you got people who are kind of awkward and and clunky. And I haven't had that happen in a while, but you know, you'll get those every now and again, but I do like the research heavy talk, you know, uh, episodes where I go down on just that one thing and focus the entire episode on just that one subject. And people really enjoy it. Cause you know, whenever I, I, I wrote down two episodes just from us talking because I trust your process and your episodes from the past so much that if you say that you got a symbolism of numbers, then I know that that's a real starting point for me to look. Cause I mean, to me, and it's personal too, you know, because like I, what happened was I'll write one last story before we start to get to the true end here. So I, uh, I, uh, I had to take a year off of my life. I blew up my life. I had a crazy ex-wife and, um, you know, it was us together having a bad toxic romance, but she had some serious problems. And when it was finally all over, um, I went to the state of California for a year. And when I came back, you know how it is. You're kind of floating around. You're trying to figure out where you fit in after you've taken time off. And I went to a yard sale and I bought this numerology book as a way to distract myself. And I actually bought it as a, with a skeptical mindset, you know, like, oh, yeah, whatever. Numerology. OK. And it was uh, that book. The lady had that. And she had like 20 or 30 90s single cassette tapes of like Belle Biv DeVoe and Janet Jackson and like all this old stuff, you know? And so I was listening to the cassette tapes one at a time and the B-sides in my car and I got home and uh, I had serious issues coming up with things, decisions that needed to be made in my life. And so I tried to use that numerology book to distract myself from the greater issues. Like, I'm just going to work through this book and show how stupid and fake it is. And it completely just ripped the shield off of my life. Like every single thing that I turned to, every page, every piece of math that I did to determine my next number, it's a book called Numerology and the Divine Triangle. And it's the very first book that ever had uh, 
numerology corresponded to uh, tarot cards and to astrological deacons. And so each uh, reading has its uh, numerological reading, and then it also gives you some insight about the tarot correspondence and also the correspondence for, uh, you know, for astrology. And um, it just blew my mind, man. And um, I really couldn't, you know how it is, like people say they find flat earth that way, right? Like I went out to show everybody how stupid this was, and I'm going to prove it wrong. And, you know, and then they say, well, now I've been out here talking about flat earth for four years because I could never prove it wrong. And I found all this stuff. Same thing happened to me for numerology. And that, I would say, was the key for me to take a softer and more courteous and kind look at esotericism, occultism in general, because I also was raised in a Christian background. And if you go to my blog from 2009, when I used to do some writing back in the day, you know, my blog entries are pretty anti-occult across the board it's not like i'm attacking people but i'm wary of it you know i've got that shield the same thing that you said that kind of guilty feeling of being a heretic Mm -hmm. it's i'm not saying it's even bad to have it i still have it to some degree too but not like i did back then in 0809 and that numerology book was the seed that was planted and they're christians the book is from a christian perspective so that's a to me that was a mysterious thing to find is that there's this huge realm of what we would call mystical kabbalistic christianity that's um, a thing though that's a thing. Yeah, that's Christian what I mean. Right. It's like, yeah. It's a huge thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would say in a way, I even kind of fall into that category, but still practicing magic only in a sympathetic way. I'm not saying that I've never uh, dabbled or tried things, but I don't have a ritual practice where I'm intentionally uh, lighting candles to angels or doing it. You know, to me, I'm yeah. very wary of all that stuff because it's too much intention and not, not, not enough knowledge on my part to feel confident to do it and no interest. I don't have that fire saying, Hey, I'm going to go try this. I'm going to get into lighting candles for Michael or whatever. You know, I don't, I don't have that feeling naturally, you know, that, that fish right there, dude, I manifested that fish. It's the dumbest shit, right? Like, Oh, fucking fish. Okay. No, I manifest. I have the, I have myself on video the entire time, that entire day of me manifest. I'll send you the, the clips. I'll have it on YouTube. Okay. Of me manifesting this fish. So like you said, there's no, you don't got to fucking, you know, put an altar up and do all this shit. Like a positive mindset mm-hmm. and positive vibes and energy. And you can fucking do whatever it is. Like I always tell people, careful what you say when you, you know, spelling spells, like, it you know, is like some, bro, sometimes I'll have something on my mind and I don't say it. I don't say uh-huh. it. So like, I don't manifest it. Like, I'll, you know, some fucked up thing that'll just come up in the back of my mind. Like, damn, be fucked up if I, you know jumped off this bridge or something because you know you get those thoughts like what would happen oh oh you know and then it's like i don't say that shit like oh you know what i mean like or like anything like oh hopefully he doesn't have a a fucking accident on on his bike or something or some shit like right i don't think that because when once you start once you put it out there it's like an echo effect it's like it'll bounce back sometimes stronger and like that's the whole ceremonial magic shit we all know it's real because we've all had it happen in even a small way or a big way everyone's had it happen to some degree where something you said or did altered the course of uh, of the present reality enough that you can look back on it and go, hey, that, you know, I said that first and then it happened, you know. So I'm very careful with my language, too. All the words that come out of my mouth, ideally, I want them to be like a prayer, you know. Yeah. That it's, uh, that it's all in the goodness and kindness uh, mode. And I'm not perfect. Obviously, I'm human. But that's that's my intention of my heart is to have everything be me acting affirmatively in the world regardless, you know. And to wrap up on this point, you know, talking about not believing in certain types of shit. Like, I don't, you know, I don't really believe in astrology or anything like that, you know. And and it's funny I say that because I'm talking about, like, magic and all that shit. But I don't, 
believe in it until I had a reading done by Kaylee. And everything uh-huh. she, she said, bro, you know, everything she doesn't know me. Like I just met her. She doesn't know me. Right. Everything she had said was like spot on. Like fucking uh-huh. spot on. It was scary. And yes, I'm like, what that numerology book did to me. Exactly. Like, she doesn't you know, know like, me. She did, she's like, Yeah, and you have you have the birth chart of an alchemist. And I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Right. And again, I consider myself the rabbit hole master. And last night I was on the YouTube app because I was up to like three or four in the morning because I have a newborn. And it was apparently it was National Tarot Day, right? And it was like, here, have a free reading on YouTube, right? On like the YouTube app, whatever. I clicked it. And I'm just shuffling the card and it told me to pick one card. It was a one card reading and then to pick a soul card afterwards. So I pick one card. And as I'm picking the card, bro, I'm like, I don't don't know. Uh, This one. And it turns out it was the moon card, right? It's like, okay, yeah. Cards suggest that you may be feeling uncertain about your path and the dark of the night and can be difficult to see clearly, but there is a moonlight representing your intuition. This will guide you to your desires. As I was saying, I don't know. Uh, boom. <laughs> it's like this. And then it was like, well, do you want to pick your soul card? I was like, sure. You know what I mean? Let's fucking do yeah. it. I had just brought this up on a fucking podcast with Gabe and being the rabbit hole master, my soul card was the Hierophant. Nice. The man of mystery. Now, this this art is really fucking gay and stupid looking. But pretty, that looks pretty, uh, pretty uh, what would we call a uh, pretty Knights Templar, man. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> those, so fucking- those, those keys look like they might be representing some peepees that aren't there no more. Got a dyke here. Got a, got a dyke here and some dude, the King Arthur. But the Hierophant card, which I was like, the man of mysteries, you know, the Hierophant. He's always yeah. searching and shit, you know, the number five, which is representative of that. But, you know, I, I don't believe in this shit. And then you have moments like this where it's like, man, that was really weird. You know what I mean? Like, what are the chances that I get that? And so, you know. Right. How many coincidences, how many synchronicities before you give up on saying I don't believe and you start <laughs> to say, I don't know. I don't know what I believe anymore because that's exactly what happened to me, man. And it changed my life past forever to, to, to mess with that book. Exact same story that you just told. And instead, I went with it, but also didn't become someone mm. who's practicing. Because mm-hmm. to me, that implies that you're that that you're not whatever is in your life already is not enough. If you have to go shortcutting shit, that's what John D did. It, he felt that he right. knew all the knowledge, and he needed to go into the metaphysical to find more. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And to me, that's a mistake. Like I trust my life and God and everything as it is enough that I don't feel like I need to cut any corners. To me, that would just be me being impatient. If I got to start uh, wanking on a sigil or drawing a circle with a sword <laughs> on the ground, I feel like at that point I should take pause and wonder like, maybe I should just wait, just be patient, sit quietly. Right. You know, cause it's hard to sit quietly, man. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Especially when you're reading about all this shit. So SB, any, any closing thoughts that you want to leave the listeners with before we get the fuck out of here? You know, any, concluding I guess, uh, thoughts? And an easy closing thought from this having such a good conversation would be that uh, if if you're listening to this and you feel like you have a calling to put your own magic into the world, then do it. Because if it's just as simple as uh, as Juan starting a podcast or uh, me, me writing songs on the guitar or whatever it might be, you know, maybe maybe it's just uh, doing more cooking in your kitchen. Then um, take the risk. You know, is it a risk? Yeah, of course it's a risk. You know, you start cooking, you might you might splash hot grease on your junk. Who knows what might happen? <laughs> But it's worth the risk 
And um, other than that, man, I'm just very pleased to have been here. I'm glad that you reached out. And uh, like I said, I'm glad to come back anytime. And of course, uh, now I'll probably have to go listen to this again and send you a half dozen links of all the things that we talked about that uh, I took some notes. So, but I'm excited. I don't always go back and listen to what I do, but I can already feel it that this is going to have to be a a replay, you know? Yeah, most definitely. We touched on a lot of points and thank you so much, SB, for coming on, dude. Really appreciate you. And yeah, again, for those that don't know, your show is one of the one one of the main factors that really pushed me to take that next step and start my podcast and start looking into the weird esoteric occult shit that, you know, let, has led me to where I am today. So, and you should definitely start it again, bro. I appreciate you. And for those, can you plug your stuff one more time so people can find your yeah. work? Yeah, sure. Easiest way to find me is uh is sbalger.com. Um the now, if you want to see the art that I've been making, that's on my Instagram. There's a link there. It's Neo Sewio, N-E-O-S-E-W-E-O. Long story behind that silly name. But it's easiest to just go to my webpage. That's where you can find the, most of the art that I post. I post on there, digital art that I make. Um, there's some music on my YouTube uh, and the, all the old uh, RX Only Picture Show episodes. There's a playlist called Remembering Tracy Twyman. If you go to my YouTube and go and to my playlist, now I got... I got the most schizo playlist. I got like a hundred playlists and they're all goofy as hell, like a bunch of weird shit. Cause it was really just for me. Right. But if you want to listen to the old RX only picture show episodes with Tracy, that's where they are, you know? And um, that's really it, man. There's not, there's, I mean, I'm on telegram. If you're on telegram, hit me up. I'm a person that's glad to correspond with anybody. So if you heard this and you want to talk to me, you can just hit me with a message on Twitter or find me wherever, send me an email. And um, if I don't hit you back, just hit me again. Cause I get a lot of correspondence. So, Right on, SB. Thank you so much, brother. And thank you for those that stuck around this long. Make sure to follow me on social media at the One One Podcast on all social media platforms where all the lizards reside. So hit me up on there, patreon.com slash the One One Podcast, rockfin.com slash the One One Podcast, Telegram group. Uh, link is in the description of this episode. Come on there. Talk shit with us. You know, we have a good group of degenerates on there. We talk about dog dicks and such things, right? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, catch on the, the anal show. birth of the homunculus.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.